That's right, Nina. I'm showing off. Yeah, we're recording <laughs> now. You're showing off. Yeah, but go ahead. Oh, you caught that? You caught my vanity? Don't catch my vanity, man. Sorry. <laughs> we caught that. I made a soup today, guys. And hey, it was. Congrats. And it was fantastic. What no, type of soup? What was it? What was the flavor? Pumpkin soup? It was actually, it, the, the, it was, um. It was probably it was just an empty bowl. Huh? It was probably just an empty bowl of water. You're such a hater. I, I put I put it on my stories on Instagram. How about that? Just mm. to kind of show the world. My cap my caption was canned soup? What is this canned soup of which you speak? <laughs> <laughs> and a blood clot chef. Yeah. Do you and- I was like cooking like that? What's that? You enjoy cooking like that? Like these Oh my things? god, yeah, yeah. I love it. Maybe you should it. one day maybe you'll find it to be a passion of yours and maybe you could start a meal prep company. I was actually just having a thought about that. And I think meal prep, when people, is meal prep, you're talking about when you make like. The week's worth of food. Your food, like you put together like your meal, what you're eating like Monday to Friday. Yeah. Nah, nah. I, I can never live my life that regimented. No way. All right, fine. My idea of meal prep would be like, I, uh, based on all the cooking shows, I, bear with me for a second here, guys. Yeah, this is, is weird shit for people to hear right now. Sweet I know. Goods. But. <laughs> For everybody who's on the culinary journey, like I am, who is not, I mean, I know how to cook, you know, the fundamentals, you can boil, you know, you can boil some spaghetti, you heat up some, you know, you heat up some pasta sauce or whatever, like just the real basics. You're not really cooking, but on this journey, learning to like make certain dishes, especially as I'm trying to, you know, really uh, rejig my diet Mm -hmm. um, has really taught me a lot about approach to food and one of the things that i wouldn't do is meal prep you want to create basically like certain components that you would then then you could throw together anything throughout the week and i think that's the greatest part so that this example is the soup so i made an asparagus soup it was an asparagus soup as a base well, your piss must, must smell like a sewer but it was delicious <laughs> okay. so, and then what i did is i froze some of it and now I use it as like a kind of a base to like, if I want to make like a vegetable soup, I'll add like the asparagus soup. So I made this kind of combination chickpeas with potatoes and, and tomatoes. Oh my God. I'm like, yo, I'm a chef. It's official. Okay. All right. Mm. Um, my yeah. soup game is, is, I mean, it, I mean, obviously it was just, it was just the one soup that I made, but it was, it was delicious. <laughs> the key thing about maintaining a diet is when you cook for yourself, you have to make sure that it's, you have to be your biggest fan more so than an artist in music. You have to be a, the biggest fan of your cooking for your, yeah, for your diet to work. That makes That's sense. The problem. I suck at cooking. I take, I started taking my, my chicken or my shrimp or whatever it was. I was having that week to my boyfriend and I make him season it and cook <laughs> it and then give it to me. <laughs> He's my chef. <laughs> wow. It's either him or my or my mom. I'll trick my mom sometimes into doing it because she'll see me do so horribly at it in the kitchen, and she's like, "Oh, you suck at this. Let me just take over." I'm okay, sorry. so what can you cook, Nina? Honestly, I I just can't. I'm just not good. Like I'm actually just not. It's got to be something. I mean, like I made a cool like I can make chicken. It just I get sick and tired of the way it tastes. I'll tell you. The, I'll tell you the real the real the real trick of it is cooking is a process are you good at following directions when you buy yeah, something yeah. from ikea can you put it together without messing it up i think so yeah like i followed directions to make this jerk chicken last week because my boyfriend flopped on me and 
it doesn't taste that jerky, but like the recipe came from the internet, so I wasn't expecting anything great, but it tastes good. Wow. Uh, you you have you gotta you made did you make the jerk chicken sauce from scratch? Yeah, but it, it, it the recipe was kind of it, I don't think it's like not real. What do you mean it's not real? Like it's not it's not like jerk jerk chicken. It doesn't taste like that. Right. You probably you probably did it wrong. And and the thing is, no, my mom helped me. My mom helped me, so I I had some assistance. You know, she the knows funny how- thing is, I'll tell you, I, I know exactly what it is because with jerk. When you get it at the restaurant, the ones that do it properly, they actually smoke it and they cook it on the grill. And if you're you just baking it in the oven, unless you like really let it marinate, this turned into a cooking show. Like a, a cooking. <laughs> I let it marinate for 24 hours. I did let it marinate for 24 hours, but I, I wanted the to do smoke. the barbecue. It's the smoke. It's the smoke. But yeah, it's I'll try smoke. it again when I can use my barbecue. Well, we're going to be able to barbecue just now. You're just not going to be able to go inside. You mean outside? Outside, right? Oh no, inside. What? You're not gonna be able to. You're not gonna be able to eat inside. You can barbecue outside, but you I can eat inside my own house. What the oh, hell are well, you talking about? I don't know. I'm, I'm talking about like a barbecue with friends and like how we think of a barbecue. Right. You can't do that. No, we shouldn't be. Exactly. That's what I was saying. <laughs> so anyway, that's been my. That's been my culinary, my culinary journey. But Nina, man, cooking is not hard. It's just, it really is. I just, just suck at it. Just, I've just accepted it. And you know I'm what? glad I have a boyfriend who can cook so that when we get married and have a family, he's the chef. He's actually <laughs> the chef in his entire family. Like anytime there's family gatherings, his family's like, yo, go make the food. Really? <laughs> yeah, like he's yeah. really good. All right. Does he, well, I, but he doesn't like cook for a living, or like he d- wouldn't. Do no, it. no, no, no. Okay, no, just just for himself. That's well, all that means, Nina, is you're not very good at following directions. That's all that means. Okay. Okay. That's well, the bottom line. All right. Well, I think people have had quite a bit enough of this stuff. <laughs> How? About- Why do you project? You don't know. Maybe they're enjoying this, Ready Fox. You don't know. Mm-hmm. You don't know. Yeah. <laughs> Listen, you should tweet at us at hashtag vibe one hundred five. Let us know if you're enjoying our pre-radio segment banter. Okay. And, uh, you know, hearing about my culinary exploits, like, uh, you know, rest in peace, Anthony Bourdain. But if I can give up everything in my career and choose one thing, I think that would be it. Travel around the world and try the dopest food. Have you ever read his book? I did not. I did not read his book. I think it's called Kitchen Confidential. Don't quote me on that. But um, apparently it's a really good book just about life in general and all that good stuff. So um, you should read it. I will definitely, I will definitely check it. I didn't even know he had a book, so there you go. I only know about like his, his cooking show, and he was a obviously he was a journalist, but mm-hmm. I only know about his like show where he traveled the world eating great food. I don't That's even right. think he would take on that um, title as journalist just based on what I knew about his life or whatever. He was just a man that lived life for the most part until obviously. But wasn't he on CNN? Well, he was a correspondent for them, but like right, right. the way anybody right. could be. A correspondent for CNN, like ex-cops can be correspondents for CNN that show up there all the time. He just happens to be a world-famous chef, right? I see. But I wouldn't necessarily call him a journalist. But I don't know. Again, I could be talking out my ass here, too. A food journalist? Okay, I don't know. But correspondent, that makes sense. Yeah. Anyways, we should start radio time. All right, let's get to it. All right. Start whenever you'd like to, Solitaire. Good morning, ladies and gentlemen. It is Saturday, May the 1st. May the 1st. (laughs) Wow, this year is rocketing by. 19 more days to go. 
19 more days to go in this uh, in the oh. next generation of lockdown. Lockdown, lockdown three. Do we, yeah, right. We, Get ready for this to last till July, you guys. You want, should we start taking bets now? Because, okay, the, the, the lockout started April 8th. It was supposed to be for four weeks, and then they extended it. So now it's supposed to end May 20th. Yeah. Who thinks it's going to end May 20th? I say it w- it's contingent on whether or not they are able to ramp up vaccinations. Well, you already know May 2 for a weekend, he's going to extend it forever for that for sure. So my guess is end of June. Yeah, that's when it's going to end. All right. Well, we're taking bets. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the program. You're tuned in, of course, to hashtag right here on Vibe 105. We're here every Saturday morning from 10 a.m. to 12 p.m. Bringing you the fire conversation about what's going on in the world, in the city, in the country, on the planet, in the universe, and all the above. Yours truly, Solitaire, DJ, Reddy Fox, No Better Nina are your hosts taking you through this journey. Uh, are we still extending Black History Month? Sure. Of course. <laughs> yes. Yes. It is officially, we have decided we are continuing to extend Black History Month for yet another month. We may continue to do this all year, but regardless, you already know what it is. Black Lives Matter. We encourage you all, everybody. I was going to say, we'll, uh, re- we'll review every two weeks. And if we have to keep extending it, we'll keep extending it. Exactly. It's just that simple. We're just like the government, you know. Yeah. We'll 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 adjourn. We'll, what's word? We'll convene. Yeah. We'll convene in a couple of weeks, and we'll 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 visit the policies. We'll visit the pros and the cons. Yeah. So and, so uh, for now, Black History Month until at least May twentieth. How about that? Until until at least May twentieth. Yeah. <laughs> there you go. All right, ladies and gentlemen. Um, make sure you communicate with us. Do you agree with our new policy of extending Black History Month? Perhaps. Maybe that should be a poll question. I don't know. But if you think that you agree with what we're doing here, uh, reach out to us. Communicate with us. We always appreciate hearing from our fans. Hashtag Vibe105 is our tag on Instagram and Twitter. And, um, you know, make sure you, 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 you let your, your voice be heard because it's important for us to know that you support our initiatives. Okay. Now, before we continue on with the program, let's get over to Nina with our poll question of the week. Okay, so last week we asked, now that Derek Chauvin has legally been found guilty in the murder of George Floyd, do you still have hope that he will get an adequate sentencing? Mm. The options were yes, definitely, no, get ready for disappointment, or it doesn't matter anymore. So uh, the results came in at 12% of people saying that it doesn't matter anymore. (sighs) 37% of people said yes, they do think he will get an adequate sentencing. And 50% said no, get ready for disappointment. Okay, so just real quick, it does matter, right? We all agree on this, or? Yeah, it, it matters. None of us here would pick it doesn't matter anymore, I would like to think. Uh, yeah, yeah, no. Okay, so w- just want to know, Nina, Solitaire, what would you guys pick in this? Because I'm picking yes, definitely. I think he's going to get adequate sentencing. sentencing. Uh, I'm torn. <laughs> I feel like yes, and then I feel like we might get thrown a curveball and no. Hmm. I'm going to say no. I'm going to say no. I don't because what is my definition of adequate sentencing versus what they think will be uh, enough time for this man to serve is probably uh, very different. Mm -hmm. That's true. That part, too. That part. Yeah. Um, Okay. So this week we're asking Ontario has announced its plans to give residents up to $200 a day for three paid sick days after voting against them for a year. Is this good enough? The options are yeah for now, 
no, it's a slap in the face or quarantine is just three days now. So head over to <laughs> hashtag vibe one Oh five on Twitter and Instagram to make your vote count. I almost died. Yeah. You know why? Cause Nina's looking for the loopholes. I feel like she's crafting this in a way so that she can ultimately just do what she wants to do. Because she's, she's always saying, whatever they'll let me do, do I'm, I'm going to do it. The next, <laughs> I was going to say, the next poll question is going to be, should the gyms open? Yes, <laughs> yes, or yes. yes. I had a dream last night that the lockdown, like the lockdown was still happening, but Doug was like, you know what, guys, I'm going to allow the gyms to reopen on Friday. And I woke up so excited. <laughs> I was like, yeah, just don't, you, don't you hate those vivid dreams or it really feels like it's like yes but listen yeah. to the dream she's saying she's ha- she had a dream ford <laughs> announced he was reopening gyms hey man that's commitment to the cause man she clearly this is a girl that needs to work out i'm traumatized clearly <laughs> clearly house. but um okay just do the poll question one more time for everyone Okay, so Ontario has announced its plans to give residents up to $200 a day for three paid sick days after voting against them for a year. Is this good enough? Yes, for now. No, it's a slap in the face. Or quarantine is just three days now. (laughs) I hashtag by 105. All right. Make sure you make your vote count, ladies and gentlemen. Appreciate that poll question. Your poll questions have been on fire recently. Like, yeah, you've been doing this a while. Uh, I I guess being cooped up inside. (laughs) all right ladies and gentlemen uh before we get into the heavy discussion uh we like to do a round of this week's headlines it's time for have you heard oh no sound effects this week what's going on because if i finally got my sound effects oh (laughs) finally got my intro i see See, there you go. But I'll still add it in there just for you, Ready Fox. I know how much you miss it. Thanks. All right, ladies and gentlemen, uh, first and foremost, I just want to uh, issue a reminder that there is help available. I was having some conversation with some friends this week. And, um, you know, we're a year in. We're, oh, we're crossing the year mark. We've crossed the year mark of this pandemic. And people are are really going through it, even though there seems to be a light at the end of the tunnel. Uh with all the misinformation and kind of vaccine hesitancy and all the, the things that might be clouding your judgment, it is a little hard for people to to see through. And I think that it's important to take care of your mental health as best as possible. Uh, for those of us in the Black community, thankfully, there has been a list of Black therapists that has been put together for you to, you know, find the right fit, find the right person, the right therapist that can help you navigate through uh, some of your lower points. Yeah. The website for that is blacktherapistlist.com. Nice. How, how have you guys been keeping up? We didn't, we jumped right into the show, but how has your week been? How, how has it been for y'all? Your headspace been clear, motivated? Yeah. No. <laughs> I'm completely unmotivated, actually. I've been very unmotivated since like last week, and then I pushed through, and then this week I just gave up. And I'm talking about exercise. Oh, okay. And Just... that is what makes me my whole brain go happy. And because I'm unmotivated now, everything just feels like... It's so it's just... a trickle effect for you. If you can't have the gym, then it kind of affects everything else that goes on for you. Yeah, basically. Like, I just feel unmotivated in all areas of my life now. Yeah, I know what that feels like. Yep. 
not to be defensive this morning, but you're with a ready fox. How 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 you feeling? Well, I'm good for now for the most part, but I was definitely in the same sort of headspace that Nina's describing too, where it was just like it just felt like very every day was the same, and it was just one day into the next or whatever. To got to the point, it's like it felt like like what's the point of doing some things that I normally would do, but mm-hmm. feeling better now and just you know reading books and just keeping myself mentally stimulated. Oh, that's good. It's important. One day, another day, another shot. That's why we always say, when you hear the sound of my voice, just, you know, keep hope alive that, you know, there is another opportunity moving forward. Stay positive and stay in that mind, that mind frame. What about Uh, your week though, Solitaire? My week, you know what? I actually found myself uh, overwhelmed because, you know, you start learning about yourself and I found myself forcibly procrastinating on things that I had to do. Right. And that usually comes about when I'm, I'm usually overwhelmed or stressed about something. And there's actually been a lot of really great things that have happened this week. Nice. And I guess kind of looking at the tasks ahead, it kind of, you know, I had a, a few moments of feeling overwhelmed. Yeah. So that's, uh, you know, it's, I think a lot it, of people have felt that too, because of the pandemic, yeah. it just exacerbates or, you know, exaggerates or whatever for everybody. It just makes things worse, so to speak, just with the pressures of the pandemic. Yeah, yeah. exactly. And uh, speaking of the pressures of the pandemic, man, this lockdown is not going to make it any easier for us to get through this summer. Uh, this week, earlier this week, ladies and gentlemen, there was a, a shooting in Ajax mm. during which more than 40 shots were fired during broad daylight. Two people were critically injured. Um, uh, <clears throat> this is in central Ajax. Did you guys hear about the shooting? Yes, uh, <clears throat> I did. The, the victims were uh, a male and a female. They were inside a white vehicle that was found at the site that was damaged in the shooting. Wow. Uh, the, both the victims were taken to tra- uh, Toronto Trauma Center with life-threatening injuries. Um, you know, employees in the area reported that they needed to hide in their basements until police arrived on the scene. So it's, you know, everybody who works in the community is, you know, really, really anticipating this summer with all the lockdowns and not really a lot of activities for young people to engage in. They're really concerned about this being a violent summer. What do you think is causing this level of, of brazen violence in, in the GTA? Would you, would you attribute some of it to uh, the pandemic or is it more, obviously I think it's more, it's more deeper than that. I would like to hope that this is an isolated incident, to be honest with you. Like I've never heard about something like this with 40 shots fired in broad daylight. This is, I I would like to hope that this is an outlier. I I think that it's not like, I don't think it's a result of the lockdown. I feel like it's just, we like we focused on gun violence before but i feel like now it's really all we have to focus on since we're in a lockdown Mm -hmm. so i feel like it's definitely deeper than than it being a lockdown issue i think there's a lot more to it for sure it's definitely definitely deeper than just a lockdown but i definitely feel like the pandemic and all these lockdowns and lack of activities like they're closing basketball courts just a quick shout out to um leo routens leo routens who <laughs> tweeted at me we're gonna you know we're gonna share this video but he you know pointed out the fact that you know basketball courts are closed in the city due to the pandemic but like volleyball courts were still open and he's right. like you know is, is that is that an indication of systemic racism shouts out to leo man that's a woke that's a woke white man right there we appreciate that shout out but um do you think there's any way this issue could be addressed by the city you know anything more that they could be doing to stem the violence i know it's a big question but you know 
I think the answer is still the same as it always is, is you got to get to the root causes of why people are turning to crime in the first place. You know, it's not going to be more boots on the streets. That's never the solution for stuff like this. But you know, that's coming. That's kind of what I was alluding to, right? Well, hopefully not. But um, again, this just I I haven't heard about something like this in quite some time where like this amount of shots out in broad daylight kind of thing and people having to hide and all that stuff. And again, I, I really hope it's an outlier, but I don't think they can do anything that they haven't already been doing and they haven't been doing the things that they should be doing to help you know what i mean so yeah well uh you know we're praying for the victims that they pull through there's a lot obviously ongoing with the case the police will continue to investigate moving on to a much more positive news a story randall ajay is named ontario's first poet laureate ladies and gentlemen am i pronouncing that right laureate Laureate, yeah congrats what is that exactly Oh, well, as a matter of fact, I was just about to explain that to you there, Nina. <laughs> um, so first of all, Scarborough, uh, Randall Ajay is a spoken word artist from Scarborough. Uh, he founded the organization RISE, which is an acronym for Reaching Intelligent Souls Everywhere, which is a youth-led initiative designed to allow young people to express themselves positively. Um But as far as him being declared a poet laureate, this is something that was introduced by a private member's bill uh, by members of the New Democratic Party, Percy Hatfield, and supported by PC conservatives, liberals. It was a unanimous, uh, what do they call it, Um, when all the parties agree? Yeah, unanimous, yeah. There you go. It was unanimous. (laughs) Um, It was officially passed last year. Uh, It was created in honor of Gord Downey, the tragically hip singer uh, and author who died last year, or sorry, uh, two years ago of brain cancer. Uh, Now, the Ontario Poet Laureate, Canada has already had a Poet Laureate. They've had it for a while, and some of this, like Toronto has a Poet Laureate, but Ontario has not had one. And the purpose of the Ontario Poet Laureate is a nonpartisan attempt to promote literacy and focus attention on Ontario's amazing poets in the wider arts community in the province. Um, Randall had the comment that made the comment that there are strong connections between Gord Downey's artistic expression and mine. We share love for the lyric word to bring attention to stories of social injustice. And we have used our poetry to unite others in the understandings of these plights. We'd like to congratulate Randall for his accomplishment. Nice. First poet laureate. How did you find out about that? Oh, because I keep my ears to the streets. Oh, okay. Son. You know what I mean? <laughs> like, whenever, sure. whenever blackness accomplishes something in the city, you know, I just, I'm like, that's a real have you heard. I would not, if you did not bring this up, I never would have heard about this. I, I'm, I, I've been, uh, I've met Randall a number of times. I've encountered him at various points, like at different events, community events in the city. So I've had my eye on him as a, as a poet for a long time and mm. just as a remarkable young man. So I'm proud to announce that accomplishment on his behalf. So congratulations, Randall. Uh, Nina, are you familiar with, he's from your demographic. So you're supposed to know who this guy is. Have you ever heard of him? Uh, no, I still don't <laughs> quite understand what the poet laureate does, but it's cool. Good job. <laughs> <laughs> They're basically spreading the word to encourage young people to uh, engage in poetry and the arts. They actually go through and um, and 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 help the literary society of Ontario. I might be I might be misspeaking, but to help them pick 
poetry books to as part of like the curriculum for schools and stuff like that selecting books oh. that are recommending people read poetry from certain artists and that sort of stuff so it's a it's a you know and he goes to different schools um what else does he do yeah, they go into different schools and they do workshops. You know, I, I listen, Nina. Don't put me on the spot. I don't know what a poet laureate is. I didn't know what it was until I heard this story. Okay, I knew Canada had one. All right, uh, so leave me alone. Okay, stop sweating. All right, moving Next on. Story. Moving on, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, which one do you want to do? You want to actually? No, I'm gonna I'm gonna, I'm gonna talk about this young man because this will probably take us to the commercial, but. This is an inspirational story as well. I wanted to kind of balance out with the the shootings with all this, um, a, a story of redemption. This was a young man who was facing life in prison, and now he's the CEO for an Instagram for the incarcerated. This young man's name is Marcus Bullock. He's the founder and CEO of a app called Flick Shop. That's Flick spelled F-I-L-K Shop, which is an app that allows anyone to send a personalized postcard photo or message to any incarcerated person in the United States of America. This is a remarkable thing. Have you heard, are you, first of all, let me just ask you guys, are you aware of how difficult, how much of a barrier exists in trying to communicate with incarcerated individuals? I don't know. I don't know, Nina, if you have any friends in jail. I don't know if any (laughs) of your friends are, if you have to. No, I'm not really aware as to how difficult it is. Yeah, no. no, I haven't given that much thought. But now that you pose the question to me, I'm guessing that it's probably not easy at all. <laughs> not easy at all. Now, obviously, this is in the, this is in the states. He was actually he grew up <clears throat> in Prince George's County in Maryland, and at 15 years old, he was uh, convicted of an armed carjacking and served eight years in the Virginia State Prison. He basically grew up in there, and his experience in trying to communicate, keep a level head, speaking to his mom. She would call him, but the phone calls were $18 for 15 minutes. That's the United States too, though. I mean, it's not, it's not that much better in Canada. They still have to pay to make calls from jail in Canada. Right. And it's, and it's not cheap. And I would know that you're more familiar with the system here in Canada because you, you're dealing with inmates all the time for the work that you do with F-Word Project and all that solitaire. But um, how is it for the communication in terms of inmates for, like, guys here in Ontario for communicating with the outside world? Oh, it's very difficult. It's very difficult. They Obviously, they only have a certain amount of phone time, and the the costs tend to be prohibitive because it's usually the people on the outside that have to pay. And right now, during the pandemic, it's even more difficult, as you can imagine, because they would typically be able to write letters and and communicate back and forth. But even that, as you can imagine, Mm. has been significantly reduced. So could you see something like a flick shop thing that this guy created in the States being viable here in Canada? I think it would be a, a great thing to be able to bring across the border. Obviously, there's a lot of logistics that's involved in it. Um, so just leading up to creating this app, he was trying to find a place to work after he was released to, from prison at 23. He, he applied for 41 jobs before he started learning uh, how to mix paint. And then he started his own actual business uh, as a contractor. And then from that, he reminisced about, and actually in that work, he was he also wanted to make sure that he was hiring inmates as a part of that because he wanted to give people the chat that he never had coming up. And in trying to bridge the gap between families who have incarcerated individuals in their family and 
incarcerated individuals. He created this app called Fl- Flickshop. Flick Shop. Flick Shop. And uh, it has access now to 2.7 thousand jails and prisons across America. And over 170,000 people have sent uh, over half a million postcards to the platform. That's and so it's good. growing every day. So congratulations. I think that's a very innovative and inspirational story for this young man whose life could have easily went in a different direction. I need to learn more about that. I wondered, can the inmates communicate with each other, or is it just one-way direction no, in is, terms of it's just, just from for, outside in? this is just for families yeah. of inmates to communicate with their specific loved ones. Oh, okay, I see. Typically in jail, communication right. is not... Limited, yeah. <laughs> right, it's not, yeah. it's not the ideal situation, like when you're talking about between cell blocks. But right. anyway, ladies and gentlemen, that's... Uh, I hope we f- ended it off on a feel-good story. That is our ha- round of Have You Heard. Great idea. Got to pay- Thank you very much, Ready? We got to pay some bills right now, but uh, those of you who are listening to the radio show, stay tuned. We'll be right back after these messages. For those of you listening to the podcast, stay with us. No, I was yeah, saying the flick shop's a great idea. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What'd you think? I was, oh, I thought because you were saying going to commercial break and I said great idea and you said, yeah, thanks, Ready. You know, I thought you were uh, saying, I was saying great ideas and let's go to commercial break. Oh. Um. oh, oh, oh. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Man. But that, that, this, this story is like, it's pretty dope because this app is, he went through like different, I didn't even get a chance to talk about it on the show, but John Legend is actually an angel investor in this uh, in this app. Mention it when we come back from the break. I don't know. We're mentioning it right now during the podcast. Yeah, but people on the radio is not going to get to know that or hear it. Well, that'll be their loss for not listening to the podcast. <laughs> You're cold-blooded. Yeah, exclusive content. Because when I first heard what the idea was for it, like a social media and Instagram for inmates, that's the way it was described, right? Mm-hmm. And I'm like, well, then that sounds to me like it's its own little personal inmate prison social media thing for all the inmates to be able to what you're, what, what you're forgetting is ready fox you know that although there might that's be what a, i think of at seg- first a segment of the population in jails that may be homosexual uh, an instagram app of what <laughs> what the men them are doing in in c3c <laughs> nobody in c3b wants to hear about wait that. you guys so you know on tiktok right there's like <laughs> It's kind of funny because you come across every now and then you come across like people in jail making TikToks. Like there's gangs of them. But then I came across this one TikTok. So these girls are like sometimes they'll they'll post like they go on those inmate websites where they're looking for love. And so this girl posted the Canadian one. Bro, I went on the website and I was dying. Like some of them will tell you like the descriptions like I'm in here for murder, but I promise I'm a nice guy. I was looking at I spent hours on that page just reading everyone's stories because I was so interested. Like right. why are you here? How long have you been there? Like it's crazy. Interesting. We actually do like a letter writing campaign where you can write anonymously to an inmate just to show them because it like getting a letter in, in prison in jail from anybody is kinda like you know, obviously, as you can imagine, there's not much to do in there is to stimulate your, your mind. So they really, really appreciate it. Mm-hmm. But I mean, just don't give them your address or your name <laughs> or your first name or give them a, like a, an alias. As long as the sentiment is genuine and, you know, you could just give them very basic details about, you know, what you're going through and, you know, just 
uh, some words of support, they, it really goes wrong. How does the the letter thing work for you guys? How does that work in terms of when people like how do they receive the letters? This can't. It's not like people writing pen to paper, right? Like are they pen getting? Some people write pen to paper. We mail it in. It's just like snail mail. We so mail it's it in. a snail mail campaign, basically. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. 100%. Okay. Because I, I was like, this, these aren't emails that you guys were referring to? We... No, no. Reels, snail stamps, letters, envelopes, trips to the post office. Holy shit. <laughs> or sometimes we actually drop it off. And the funny thing is, is such a protocol, like whatever you write can uh, and will maybe not like the entire letter, but security will read your letter because they have to make sure that you're not trying to like, there's no like cold words or, or, you know, any like under like secret language. Organized crime plans between whatever. Yep. (sighs) Shit is real. Yeah, I guess. I don't know. It's, it feels like such an an infringement on people's privacy, but at the same time, it's kind of like you're kind of in jail. So it's, you're you're kind of in jail. (laughs) I don't you know. are you are yeah. you are repaying a debt to society. That is that, kind of the that thing. just sounds so unnecessary, man. Just allow people it, their privacy. Look, but I get it, it. I get it. I get it. No, no. It, I mean, you know, this is stuff that we you know I could talk about a lot. There's a whole lot that needs to be reformed about the process. P- punishing somebody doesn't mean that you have to make like put them in inhumane conditions. That's not. You know, if the goal is really... And it shouldn't even, I don't think, be punishment really shouldn't even be the uh, the way to look at it, per se. It should be, you know, reforming people or helping people or rehabilitating. But it, it is obviously a punishment because you've lost your freedom. But, but I mean, it, it has to be punishment in terms of account, being held accountable for the crime that you've committed. So there is an accountability. That's where the punishment comes in. But... The rehabilitation is supposed to be a part of that process, and it it just is not. There are organizations that volunteer and create programs to uh, to support people oh. in prison, but there's not. It's not inherent in the system itself, which it needs to be. Right, and I just feel like I need to clarify this because it sounds like I'm being soft on crime <laughs> per se, but. I I think of it from the perspective of the mandem that got caught up in the system, so to speak. And, you know, you grow up in situations that, you know, if you had an opportunity to grow up in a better situation, you probably wouldn't live the life you're living. Those are the type of people I'm thinking about. For the, But for the Dovik, Derek Chauvin's of the world, no, yeah. Throw them oh, into yeah. the deepest hole possible. Like, you know what I mean? Like, there's a difference between people that unfortunately didn't know any other way of life and never had the opportunity to see a different way of life and... That's part of the, you know, getting to the root causes of why there's crime in the first place, right? Instead yeah, of putting I, more boots on the street, help people have opportunities to explore and grow and do things, you know, to provide for their families without the pressures of, you know, eating day to day and stuff, you know? A hundred percent. And let, I mean, tell me how you feel about this, but I even feel I would go as far as to say that Derek Chauvin needs rehabilitation as well. Sure. He but should- he can get it for 50 years. he can be rehabilitated on a good 50-year plan we got a now that that sounds like an appropriate amount of years for him to serve i'm gonna tell you my my bare minimum that i would like to see is 30 Hmm. 30 years would be a good number to me how old is he right now 40 something it doesn't really matter to me per se but um oh it matters to me because i just want him to be in there till he dies oh right (laughs) 
So it's basically a death sentence you you, you want him. Yeah. So you, you so okay, so let's say he's probably I'm going to guess he's probably 40. Let's just say or no, let's say 35. So you would want him to get 70 years probably. Yeah, or even like even put him at like 48 years so he hits like what like nine almost 90 I, like when he towards 90 you're teetering right. i'm sure in that conditions those conditions yeah you're gone so they should just sentence him whatever his age is plus the number that puts him at 105 <laughs> sure <laughs> i need you guys to rewrite the the criminal justice system code that would be perfect what just whatever his age is we're going to sentence you to the amount of years that will keep you in jail till you're 105 I think that's a good idea. It's not a bad idea. It's very simple. Yeah. You don't have to think it out. Just it's math, math. baby. Yeah. <laughs> simple math. Oh man. man. Anyways, you want to uh, get back into radio? It's rock and roll, baby. Good morning, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome back to the program. You're tuned in, dialed in, and locked into the greatest conversation on the planet Earth. Yours truly, Solitaire DJ Ready Fox. No better, Nina. Have everything locked. And loaded. All right. Make sure you to continue to support us and follow us and share with us on our social media platforms at hashtag Vibe One Hundred Five on Twitter and Instagram. Are we going to join? Are we going to join TikTok? <laughs> if whenever we are allowed to be together again, we can make TikToks. Da, I, can I? I'll, uh, leave them. I'll leave them. Can I? Uh, confession. Confession time. Yeah. I, sure. Confess away. I uh, I created a TikTok. And why didn't you tell me so you could follow mine? Oh, because right. I haven't done any TikToks yet. I want it to be. I want my first TikTok to be special. What inspired this? Me. Necessity. <laughs> <laughs> the fact of the matter is, you know, as an artist, as somebody who works in the, you know, in the professional artist field industry, you have to be where, even if it's just for like market research, you got to be where the artists are. That. Just there's just so much creation that's happening over there. It's 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 untapped it temp, untapped potential too there. I imagine a hundred percent, yeah, hundred percent. So anyway, ladies and gentlemen, uh, enough about that. Let's get over to some more meat and potatoes discussion with politics as usual. Ready, Fox. Okay, well, politics. There's obviously so much going on again, yep. but the focus will always, of course, be the pandemic Black Lives Matter. and Black Lives Matter. Of course, those are the two things. But um, we have a bit of an update when it comes to the uh, trial for uh, Derek Chauvin. Actually, his sentencing, the date is June 16th. Um, I don't know if anybody out there is aware of it. Ooh. So we'll know on June 16th what he's going to get. And then the trial oh. for the other three cops um, will start as well. The judge wanted to space out the trial and not have everybody in the court at the same time because of the pandemic. Mm-hmm. Um, so June 16th, we'll find out what um, Derek Chauvin's uh sentencing will be and we were talking about it during the podcast time so might as well ask again here just nina and i came up with a pretty good formula nina you want to let them know so basically we said whatever his age is add however many numbers put him to the age of 105 and that's how long we put him away for because we just want him to be in there till he dies well that's what you wanted yes yeah i want (laughs) yeah yeah right guys right guys we we i'm telling for my for myself at least 30 years if he gets 30 years i'm good with that but no parole either right remember that part too because you don't want him to have a chance to get out Solitaire, are you still there's still no number for you, Solitaire? Uh no, no. <laughs> you know, I think it's it's I think I'm gonna reflect on it like this, like in terms of life, you know. I, I, I want him to learn his lesson and, and really truly 
uh, have a change of a change of heart and a change of mind. However long that takes, mm. okay. you know, whatever that number is. Because at the end of the day, I always say George Floyd's life is still lost. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. So, um, okay, so, so much going on, obviously, with the pandemic and with Black Lives Matter. So we're going to touch on a few things here, and we'll see with the time that we have. So uh, paid sick days, we were talking about in the poll question. Woo! Um, so, but how could they not mess it up? But they messed it up. They messed it up. Because <laughs> his name is Doug Fiasco I can't believe, Ford. I can't believe how the, they knew what they had to do. And uh, even a big shout out to MPP, Jill Andrews, Dr. Jill Andrews, who pointed out that Doug Ford is on his 10th sick day right now. (laughs) Or at least he is as of us recording this. So he could be on his 13th sick day by the time you guys are listening to this on Saturday. But um, yeah, three days. (laughs) Three days. Three days. (laughs) You got to quarantine for two months. You got to stay home for two months. Right. And work from home for two months. Of course, too, we're still in the current uh, third wave lockdown stay at home order, so to speak. But the weather is going to start warming up soon. And it's probably going to get harder to get people to stay at home. Um, I don't know. Have you guys heard about a workout group called United We Fight? Oh, no. No. So what these, is that? these guys staged a demonstration last Sunday uh, with dozens of people partaking in a physically distanced outdoor workout. And it's like a bunch of gyms kind of got together and they're doing this in protest of the pandemic. They, one of the gym owners there said um, he thinks outdoor activities done safely should be allowed. So they're going to do it regardless of what, you know, the government. He's absolutely, he's absolutely right. Okay, he's so absolutely. you guys agree with this. I, I already kind of know what I think Nina's going to say, but Nina? <laughs> I'm going to join them next week. <laughs> yeah, I agree, though. But I've always said, though, like, if you're keeping your business open because, like, you needed to make a living as long as you're doing it with the previous safety protocols that were in place, like wearing a mask, keeping customers socially distanced 10 at a time, whatever the rule was before we actually went into the full lockdown. Like I, I, I don't blame you at that point. So do you think these guys should maybe get a punishment tickets or something? Because if they don't get punished or anything, does this not encourage other people to start breaking rules too? Uh, yeah, but there's only one person to blame for all of it. So Yeah. Solitaire. Uh, how many people were outside? How many people were working out? Okay, I'm not sure the exact number of people, but um, when we dig deeper into the details, maybe they'll be there. But um, I just saw this, and it was like it made me think of the Huff Gym story that we spoke about a couple of weeks ago. Where this gym, remember the gym in Mississauga that just mm-hmm. decided to open up because, you know, lockdown be damned. We want to, you know, we can do it yeah, safely yeah, yeah. and all that stuff. And I just feel like once the weather starts warming up, it, we're going to see a trend of more and more people saying, you know what, lockdown, schmockdown, so to speak, you know, and I don't know if that's going to be helpful or not, to be honest with no, you. I, I, you know, I don't, I don't, um, being outside, health experts have definitely all agreed on this idea that transmission is significantly reduced as long as you're able to stay apart from people. So I'm not really... You know, outside of the enormous uh, missteps that he's made in all the lockdowns, this idea of not being able to assemble in groups of ten or more—it's uh, it, ridiculous. As right. long as you're you're you know assembling, obviously you're not hugging, you're not like shoulder mm-hmm. to shoulder like singing kumbaya, but you should be able to go out in a group and exercise as long as you have enough space to. Right. Yeah, I kind of agree with it too, but at the same time, it, we can't have. I don't know, either you have rules or you don't have rules. And if people are breaking the rules, then what's to stop other people? Like it just, it can't be one. 
do we all agree that the rules make sense? No, no, no. Not that's the problem. Exactly. If the rules make sense, right. and I think that you, as a government, you have to be flexible enough to be able, especially in a, in a pandemic where you need to have that, you know, be able to be nimble, you revisit. You're like, okay, that doesn't really, let's rejig it. And obviously you, you want to do that earlier on, not, not on lockdown three. Right. <laughs> Right. Okay. Another story that I saw that I wanted to touch on. This is almost like a have you heard type round for politics as usual. A Toronto city councillor actually tabled a proposal uh, to loosen outdoor drinking laws during the pandemic, especially over the summertime. Well, yes, I vote yes. We will go into more. So you already vote yes. Nina, what do you vote? (laughs) I mean, like. uh, Yes, Nina. I, I, I know. I feel like I'm asking for no reason, but just. Put it on wax, Nina. Uh, yeah, but like their vote isn't gonna make people stop doing it. Oh, oh I see, I see. This was more so about like she's like, oh, oh, there, there was a law. We, it was we illegal. Allowed, we to do that. <laughs> oh, you're killing me, Nina. You're killing me. She didn't even know it was against the law. She's just, she's just been doing it. Oh, um, that's hilarious. And uh, we were just touching on it before, but um, the trial for the other three cops in the Derek Chauvin trial will be getting on June 16th. And um, they're basically going to try to deflect responsibility onto Derek Chauvin. And I just feel like if these guys walk, will that feel like it's tainting the justice that we feel like we got at least for the guilty verdict for George Floyd or for um, Derek Chauvin? I, I think, yeah, like, a, I would taint it a little bit because it's, like, these other people in this position of power just stood by and watched and did nothing to stop it when they were in the same power level as Derek. Like, they could have easily done something about it. Can I ask and... you, does it make, personally for myself, it doesn't make a difference, but let me ask for you, Nina, and Solitaire, the fact that two of these cops were new to the job, they had been on the job for less than, whatever, a couple months or whatever, does that make a difference? No, because when you see something wrong, like you're supposed to say something or do something at the right. very least. Solitaire. Like, I'm gonna say I'm gonna say yes, and I'm gonna say that because I've been doing a lot of um, uh, a lot of listening to different podcasts, particularly one that really resonated with me was Sam Harris. Uh, I'm forgetting the name. Making sense with Sam Harris, and he interviewed somebody who really highlighted how you know, woefully undertrained police officers are for the work that they face on a daily basis. And with that context, I, I almost, I almost feel sorry for the two, to, to, to the two other officers who had to witness that. And I think they know deep down in their heart, just like everybody else, how terrible it was. Yeah. I, and that's just me. I, I'm not, I'm not trying to, you know, I'm not, definitely not saying they shouldn't serve any jail time or have some accountability, but I am a little bit more empathetic towards them. Um, I'm kind of in the middle between the two of you because I see where you're going with both ways. I lean more towards just, you know, they definitely deserve, deserve some jail time. <clears throat> but yeah, knowing more about police culture now than I do even before, on top of their poor training, I can see why a couple of rookie cops would stand by and do nothing. But um, I don't know. It's hard for me to still be objective about it, but... Another yeah. a new report came out, an international study this week came out that charges actually America's police brutality as crimes against humanity. So I, I'm all for that. Yeah, that's pretty interesting. Like um, the president of the World Organization Against Torture, her name is Hina Jelani. 
She said, like, um, from the testimonies that she's seen from people in the United States, because they actually had lawyers from all over the world as part of this investigation, and they mm-hmm. compiled this huge, almost 200 pages report about police brutality in the States. And they're basically saying they're crimes against humanity. And she's like, she's seen torture and police brutality all around the world. And she still said what she heard from coming from the States was distressing. She said she was actually taken aback, especially from a country that claims to be like, you know, the global champion of human rights. And they still fail to comply with basic international law about how you treat your people. I found that really interesting that that came out. So um, interesting, not surprising. Not surprising, but it, are these things not helpful, do you guys think, when these kind of things come out, at least reports that shine a bigger light on it? Because it's really, it's horrible to see week after week people being killed by police, especially in the States, obviously. We're so close to it. It's like close to home. So it affects us, right? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. But um, do you feel like shining a light internationally from these guys? The U.S. will just ignore it, probably, knowing the well, U.S. Well, that's what, that's what I was going to say, like... I feel like for people to hear it, it's one thing, but then the people who don't even believe in that it's real, like, or have, like, they don't believe that, I don't know, a person was really doing nothing when they were killed by a police officer, like, simply because of the color of their skin, like, they'll just push this off as being like, oh, like, um, they're just trying to make, make people feel better about what, like, the situation, make them feel validated about what had happened. Hmm. Like, people will find any excuse to not believe it, I feel. Um, like, people who are really stuck in that mindset. So, I think it makes a difference to some, but not all. Yeah, I, and I would, definitely, I would definitely second that because there is a, there is a plethora of data and studies yeah. from academics about different ways in which, you know, like I said, like I mentioned that, that just that podcast, which just really, you know, look it up, Sam Harris making sense. It just came out maybe like two or three weeks ago. And, and this was somebody who I believe was a former police officer or had, or had worked with police officer and he's, and he's trained in jujitsu. And he's like, for hand-to-hand combat, for somebody to be proficient in dealing with hand-to-hand combat or trying to subdue somebody who's trying to be violent and aggressive, mm-hmm. an athlete would train like an hour, two hours a day to to get to a basic level of being proficient at grappling or dealing with physical confrontations police officers on average like he was saying they they get like sometimes they're lucky if they get like an hour a week of training right you know what i mean so it's like when you start realizing and i guess and just like you kind of touched on it too ready it's very hard to look through an objective lens when all you're seeing are your people who are suffering this level of injustices every day but that when you try to be objective and you realize they're just, they, they're really just under equipped to deal with what they're, what they're doing on these, uh, in these streets, it gives you a lot of perspective. Yeah. And you know what I, and then the, then that blame goes squarely on the politicians because they can do something about it to change everything in terms of how police departments are ran in the first place. So I hope with more international light with that study that came out with all these, these were lawyers from all over the globe that participated in conducting this look into police brutality in the States and for them to have this charge of crimes against humanity, I would hope that that will at least internationally shame the States into starting to do some more stuff about it. So no, could yeah, be wishful I think, thinking. I think, I think it would, it's a, 
it's kind of in a way it's kind of preaching to the choir but you know every little bit counts yeah okay so we we might as well dig into some of the numbers now first so that was just an overview of all the things that kind of happened this week because i wanted to at least touch on some of it with the time that we have but with the remaining time we'll probably wind up just talking about this these paid sick days these you i don't i don't even want to say it's useless (laughs) because how do they think that three days would be enough time for people to be able to do the things they need to do if you're feeling sick, if you need to go get tested, if you have an appointment to go get vaccinated? Three days? Is that... Three I don't know. Days is, three days is clearly... And I don't know if you've heard a little bit of uh, of backstory about how this came about. Because when he made this announcement, he was... He was he pulled a Trump like we compared him to Trump. Yeah. And to this week, he definitely he's like, you know, he sounded very Trumpy. Create, yeah. He's like, we're going to create this paid sick day. Unlike anything has ever been seen before in North in America. Canada. Yeah. And and he said North comes, America, not North Canada, America. North America. And then the story comes out that he basically went to the he went to Trudeau and he was like, hey, what if we just give you money and then you (laughs) (laughs) what if we just top up the the Canadian? What is it? The Canada recovery sickness thing by 500 bucks. Yeah. And the thing is, I had to laugh when I heard that story because I'm like, hey, yes, he does. Governing is hard, right? It's hard work. It's hard choices. And clearly he's just like, yeah, yeah, we're going to just, hey, guys, just make this uh, make this so. We'll just make the sick days happen. And clearly he was not ready. Lest we forget, his government axed provincial sick days in the first place. Mm-hmm. And then they've been calling and calling since the pandemic started for him to reinstate paid sick days. He wouldn't do it. And he's finally come to the table now with this so-called Ontario COVID-19 worker income protection benefit. I don't know. Couldn't find more words. They couldn't find more words. That's a hell of a name. Yeah. So it's retroactive from April 19th and it runs until September 25th. Now here's another thing. Why, why is there an end date at September 25th? Nina? Because people stop, people stop getting sick in September on September. So you know what? You know what I want to tell Doug then by September 25th, None of this lockdown stuff is happening. Don't ever swear, again. Nina. Don't swear. <laughs> I know. I was about to. <laughs> None of this lockdown stuff is happening ever again. Ever. September... If I can't be sick after September 25th, how is the lockdown going to continue? It doesn't make sense. It doesn't make sense. Should well, we start well, taking bets now that this gets extended beyond September 25th? Listen, uh, I got a sense that the whole pandemic just dies in june it just goes away when the sun i think there's like a sun there's like rays from the sun (laughs) that kill the bacteria in the ozone layer within the hole closes and then the pandemic just goes away right in june sure yeah that's gonna happen so Basically, employers are going to be paid to require uh, required to pay workers two hundred dollars per day, and even that feels like that's not enough. That doesn't feel like oh, it's close it's to enough. Two hundred dollars per day for three days for feeling sick or if you need to get vaccinated. You will not require sick notes. Workers will not have to fill out any forms or applications. Employers will have to pay the employee out of pocket and be reimbursed um, by the WSIB or the Workplace Safety and Insurance Board. And the government says it's going to continue to work with Ottawa to try to double the uh, federally mandated uh, recovery sickness benefit from 500 to $1,000. So, mm-hmm. uh, but uh, as far as we know, Trudeau hasn't agreed to that yet. So I don't know. 
I don't know, but uh, Trudeau is not flush with cash right now. And again, big shouts to um, MPP Dr. Jill Andrews. She was quick to point out um, on Twitter. She tweeted uh, when uh, he announced this. Uh, Good morning, Ontario. Just a reminder: Premier Doug Ford is on his tenth paid sick day today, so he gives Ontarians three while he's on his tenth. Hmm. Hashtag paid sick days. It's it, you know what? It feels like an insult to our intelligence when you when you hear stories like that. And you realize how deeply entrenched it is in his own personal views, why he doesn't want to be seen as backtracking or reneging on, on uh, you know, the, the importance of, of paid sick days. Yeah. And here he is, the irony of him sitting at home, getting paid from home. Anyways, uh, we also had an update. Um, for the pandemic overall, uh, Dr. Adelstein Brown, the co-chair of the uh, COVID-19 Science Advisory Table, he gave a report out on Thursday just basically saying, and um, if we stay, we, we've, they're saying we're in the third wave, but we've kind of crested. We've kind of hit the top. I don't really? know that. Well, that's what they're saying. But they were saying because the way we were going, we were going to be getting up to possibly uh, 10,000 cases a day. So the, if the stay at home, if the stay at home order is lifted within a few weeks, they're saying we could get back up to cases as much as 10,000 per day. They're saying if we have moderate health measures in place, we could see maybe 5,000 by the beginning of July. And if we have strong measures in place, we could hopefully have a drop below 1,000. And this is with vaccinations included with everything in the background as well. Uh, with strong measures in place, the daily total could drop to as below as 1,000 uh, at the beginning of June or as high as 2,000 by mid-July. So um, th- I don't know. Stay at home. What does it all mean? I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. Stuck inside. That's what it means. I, That's what well, I, I, I. I don't know what it all means. Right. I, I, I'm just trying to amen. I'm just working out. Okay. Well, Andrea Horvath obviously had a lot to say about the paid sick days. Um, basically saying that it was disappointing. Three paid sick days leave is better than none, which I guess is true. I mean... Might as well get the three if we can't have any at all. It's better to have none. But she says, I don't know where the premier thinks that this is the best paid sick days program in North America. It certainly is not. Which, <laughs> again, that was really uh, Trumpy of him to say something like that. I feel like I, I feel like myself and a couple of a couple of like first year uh, medical students can come up with a better plan for Ontario paid sick days. Right. Yeah. So we'll see how that goes. Again, May twentieth is supposed to be. Um, the end of the current stay-at-home order, but we're pretty sure that's obviously going to be extended. My guess is it's going to be extended until, like, September. <laughs> I think it's going to go to September. September 25th. I think they're going to have to keep extending it. What's, what's an acceptable number for the daily cases to be below before they're going to say that we can start reopening things? But that's the thing. Nobody knows because think about it. Last year, we shut down at 500 cases. Thank you, Nina. Then we reopen and we stay open and we're at like 1,000 cases, 2,000 cases. And then we shut down again at like two, around 2,000. Then we reopen and we hit like 3,000, still open, 4,000 closed. And they're saying that we've pressed it in this third wave. Now, on Thursday, the, the new case numbers on Thursday was like 3,800. Yeah. So it went down. Sort of. But again, what is going down? Like, just like Nina said, last year at this time, we would have freaked out if we heard a thousand a day. Mm-hmm. We would have freaked out at a thousand. I definitely feel like the the, the frog in the pot of slowly boiling <laughs> water. 
Oh, I hope not. Anyways, let's move on to this uh, outdoor story. Actually, we spoke a bit about that outdoor workout class. Um, some of the people that were participating in that class as well. So a bunch of group of people got together. Um, they called themselves United We Fight, and they staged this demonstration for outdoors workouts. And one of the gym owners there by the name of uh, Jordan Thomas, he owns a United Boxing Club. And he's just basically saying outdoor activities done safely should be allowed. And some of the people that participated said outdoor group fitness classes are basically essential for their health. Would you agree with that with these people saying like it's essential? It's important for people obviously to get out, but to participate in large groups exercising outdoor, I don't know if that's necessarily essential. Um, I think that the like the exercising aspect of it is is essential, like and especially when it comes to like like for me, like exercising helps a lot, like mentally as well as physically. So I think like, and I agree with the owner, like, yeah, if it's being done safely, then it's fine because I'll agree with any business owner who wants to open their business. As long as they're following a protocol, if you're doing an Adam Skelly free for all, then I, I don't <laughs> right. your back. Right. But like, and especially because Adam Skelly did have the option to still do takeout orders, but decided to just be a, a, a crap disturber. Like, like no but i think yeah if you have the protocol like if you're doing certain things to you know keep people distance wearing masks whatever i mean if you're outside you don't have to wear a mask i just don't think it's a bad idea uh i agree i agree i think that uh you already know we i mean we touched on this getting outside as long as you have enough space um the chances of from what i'm you know from what i've been toll and from what i understand is very very slim when you're outside and you're just passing by somebody right. for a couple of seconds like the actual you know the aerosol like they breathe out you breathe in at that time it's not you know and don't listen to me i'm not a scientist right or a doctor or virologist okay. or whatever but we're running out of time real quick but um we're gonna extend just a little bit because i did want to touch on this because i thought this was a great idea as well and Nita didn't even know it was against the law. <laughs> so I will just let everyone know um, this counselor by the name of Josh Matlow, he pitched the idea to uh, the city's Economic and Community Development Committee. And it was pretty much ignored, but the idea was basically to allow people to drink outdoors uh, between May 21st and October 31st to p permit people to have alcoholic beverages at parks and beaches as long as there are bathroom facilities there between the hours of 11 a.m. and 1 p.m. Now, currently in Toronto... It's against the law. Drinking alcohol in a public park, could you could get a $300 fine for that if you have an open liquor container. So he's saying... You know. the, but he, he he's saying basically, this is not really fair for people that can't afford to go to outdoor patios or maybe you don't even have a backyard or a balcony in the first place. So now the summer's coming and you can't be outdoors and maybe enjoy a glass of wine or something. So I almost feel like, what's the point of asking you guys? But do you agree or disagree? <laughs> Yes. <laughs> what? Yes to what? <laughs> of course, you should be able to drink out outdoors, like you know, during. I, but but, that, but hours... you got to worry about public intoxication, solitaire. Like some people will go out there with like a two four and polish the whole thing in the park. I I am not the mayor or the police. That is not my problem. Drink responsibly, of course. <laughs> us at hashtag and vibe one hundred five. We encourage responsible drinking. You know, as long as you're not becoming a nuisance to society. But yes, you should be able to drink outside. And it is now, it is, they're proposing it to be legal now, Nina, which means that it was illegal <laughs> while you were doing it previously. 
well anyways uh i think that they should have done it but i never really thought about like people who don't have backyards and stuff either i mean not that i drink in my backyard but like you know i never really thought about that aspect of it yeah there's like yeah there's a lot of people that don't hey you can't afford to just go to a restaurant to be on a patio to have a drink outdoors but yeah, yeah if you're living somewhere that doesn't have a balcony or a backyard or whatever yeah, I never really thought about that aspect of it. Um, but yeah, I think they um, messed up by not allowing people to do it. But like, you know, there's loopholes. Right. And, and there's loopholes. <laughs> okay, and I'm going to wrap up real quick. But just there are cities that are doing this. Montreal actually does. London, Paris, Sydney as well. Vancouver, they just approved drinking in nine parks last year because of the pandemic. And they're scheduled to reopen um, more parks uh, for this year in Vancouver to allow people to drink in parks because of the pandemic. Excellent. So Excellent. I, hopefully Toronto can see the other cities doing this and maybe John Tory will change his mind. But I don't know. With the weather warming up, it's going to be harder to get people to stay indoors. I agree. And hopefully they'll implement this as a policy. Uh, and if they don't, oh, well, life goes on. Not not true there, Nina? Uh, yeah. Yeah. All right, ladies and gentlemen, <laughs> that's it. Appreciate that. Uh, uh, politics as usual segment ready fox now it's time for us to pay some bills if you're tuned in to us on vibe 105 stay tuned we'll be right back for those of you listening to the podcast stay with us so nina when you were when you were when you're publicly drinking outside <laughs> do you not conceal do you yeah, not of course you make a roadie okay okay so you do know it was illegal Oh yeah, I know it was illegal, but like no one's really gonna stop me. Like, I just put it in a water bottle, and I don't even care if it doesn't look like water. I put straight up Appleton in water bottles and call it a day. Really? You put- and I used to, I used to when the clubs were open, I used to instead of Ubering both ways, I would take the TTC like the subway down and have my Appleton in one water bottle and my Coke in another, and just drink on the TTC. <laughs> I would use that is, that is dedication to the craft of partying, right well, there. Yeah, but the way you made a roadie, ro- or at least the way we did, was we'd put vodka in a water bottle. That seems. Yeah, like... I used to do that in high school, but like I don't like high that. schools. <laughs> we used to. Okay, so this is how that back in high school, especially oh living in Ottawa, like people in Ottawa were like, "Yo, like." There would always be this thing like, let's get drunk at school. So like we would put vodka in water bottles and drink at school. So then I came to to Woodbridge and I was telling my friends, I'm like, oh, we used to drink at school all the time. They're like, yo, let's do it. Let's do it. So remember, we met at my locker at 745 in the morning taking vodka shots. And somehow that day I had all substitutes. It was like the perfect day. (laughs) You little tyrants must have been running around causing havoc at that school that day. It was a lot of fun. You know how you treat substitutes when you're sober? Pardon? Do you know how you treat substitutes when you're sober, much less when you're drunk? Oh, my God. That wasn't the hassle. I took a nap by third period. Yo, when you saw a substitute teacher, did you not like your eyes light up and you're like, oh, my God. Yeah, now imagine when you're drunk, you're like, yes. I promise you at least one of those substitute teachers tells the story about that day. All right now, they're telling that story to somebody. (laughs) There was this little brown girl who was drunk. Her breath smelled like vodka. (laughs) He probably didn't believe it. He was probably like, it's got to be my imagination. He was was probably... 
I was uh, what 16, 17? 16 years. Um, I mean, wow. living in Ottawa, I started drinking at fourteen. You make like, me feel so innocent, Nina. You. you make me feel so innocent. And we started smoking at fifteen. Like we literally had nothing to do. I tell you, there was a I, one of the craziest stories I witnessed in in high school was this girl who who got she passed out from alcohol poisoning in the men in the boys' locker room from at the, school. At school. Oh God. We were like that at that point. It was. Is it, it someone I know? From, no, no. You okay. Know. It was. A, it was a girl. It was a girl. And it was. Uh, it was a girl. She was. She was a girl. <laughs> <laughs> and um, I remember she was. You know, she was known for being a little bit of a wild spirit. You know what I mean? You think? Cool person, but you know, everybody has their, their troubles. <laughs> It went from being like, wow, she crazy to like, oh, she got a problem. You're really crazy. <laughs> she got a problem. Sad. <laughs> nah, I contained myself. I was good. That's good. That's good. That's good that you could make it out. You know what I yeah. mean? Yeah. Yeah. And I had happy. like four other people doing it with me because the four other people doing it with me, we all had second period together. So we went through our first uh... period and then second period, we were like together at the same group of desks. <laughs> See, Nina, I, I, I was I was definitely an angel compared to This is to hilarious. You. This is hilarious. I need more high school stories now. I know, I know. Clearly. I can't imagine. Like, what was the worst thing I did? In high school. I, I'm trying to think, too, because I didn't I didn't do anything that even comes close to what Nina just described. And that sounds like it was just a Tuesday for her. So. I, had, I, had vir- I had virgin lungs and virgin kidneys. Like, That's amazing. I, I was a... Holy smokes. I can't think of anything that even comes close to what Nina just said. Yeah, I don't think I ever... That was probably the worst thing I did. That's the worst day? No, the worst thing I did. I don't think I really did much else. I was a pretty good student. Every time I would be the new student at school, though, teachers would always, like, come up to me and be like, like, after a couple of weeks, be like, look, you're getting involved with the wrong crowd. Try to screw me away from people. And I'm like, I am the wrong crowd. (laughs) I am the person you're talking about. That's a movie line right there. But they always did that without fail. Every single school I went to, they would, even elementary school, they would do that to me. And I was like, whoa like i remember in this high school i was the last one in the girls change room for gym and the gym teacher came in and she's like sit down let me talk to you for a second like i know you're a good student blah 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 you're just getting involved in the wrong crowd and i was like man what am i doing wrong yo that's the biggest line in the history i am the wrong crowd i am the wrong crowd. that is a movie line Nina. that is a I'm, i want you to, i'm telling every between me you and, our, and everybody oh, listening. man that is I the biggest line that. i've ever I'm heard stealing. i am the wrong crowd i am stealing that like i came up with it myself nina <laughs> just so you know that is a one line banger i will uh. post it tomorrow I am <laughs> oh man thank you nina I'm literally in tears over here. I'm literally crying tears right now. This is the, it's the best thing I've heard in like months. Man. In the movie, the line is, bitch, I am the wrong crowd. <laughs> and then you flick your hair, you walk away. You, you, you flick a cigarette button in her eye. But I would laugh because I'm like, I don't get it. Like, I fit in. Like, these people like me. I like them. Like, what are you really trying to do? You're here? a bad influence, Nina. Basically, you're a bad influence. Basically, those teachers looked at you. They're like, "Listen, you're smart." I feel, I'm worried for B now. Teacher and those people, they're waste. What is she doing with them? Man, she B. has potential. 
She's wasting it. Yo, band man. <laughs> Hope you're good, bro. I think he was worse than me in high school, to be honest. I don't think I would survive in high school. Oh, band man. I would not survive high school if I had to go back there oh. now as a kid. Social oh, you'd be a terrorist. I'd be a, yeah. I'd be one of I'd be one of two things. I'd be like a terrorist, or I'd be a, a, like a straight up hermit. Yeah, no, I I always think that too. If I went back in high school with all the knowledge and whatever confidence that you have now that you didn't have then, you'd wind up with like twenty kids, like. Like it wouldn't be good. Would have had kids a lot earlier. That's for sure. Wouldn't have been good. Anyways, all right, right, hold on. I always have to clear my throat. I need to drink water, man. Let me clear my throat. Try not to clear my throat while recording, though. So, um, all right, might as well get back into it, man. Good morning, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome back to our spirited. Weekly conversation right here on Vibe 105. It's hashtag yours truly solitaire. DJ Ready Fox and No Better Nina taking you through this week's news, stories, entertainment, and excitement. Now it's time, ladies and gentlemen, for music news with No Better Nina. What's in store? Okay, so we have quite a bit this week. So first of all, um, DMX's memorial took Mm. place at the Barclays Center in Brooklyn last Saturday. Only 2,000 of his closest, 2,000 of his closest family friends (laughs) were allowed inside. And it was delayed by two hours because they let Kanye design the stage. What? (laughs) Yeah. And have you seen any footage of it? Uh, I've seen a bit. It looks like the Yeezy stage, the Yeezy tour stage. It, uh, I, I caught a little bit of the ceremony. It was pretty epic. Oh. Yeah. So Kanye also teamed up with Balenciaga to create tribute shirts for the late rap veteran, which sold out within 24 hours at $200 a piece and ended up raising $1 million for DMX's family. Dope. Kanye and his Sunday service crew also performed, and among Jay-Z, Beyonce, and Alicia Keys being in attendance, so were some newer artists to the scene, such as A Boogie, Bobby Schmurda, and ASAP Ferg. Rumors were floating around that Jay-Z was supposed to speak, but didn't end up doing so because of time constraints. But DMX's 17 kids and their mothers all took to the stage with one of his youngest daughters performing her own song, while Nas and Styles P also spoke, followed by Swizz Beats. Now, Swizz Beats shared a powerful message that was making headlines saying, You have thousands of people claiming who they are on tickets. This man needed everybody. He didn't need everybody when he's not here. He needed everybody when he was here. I don't want y'all showing up to my stuff when i'm gone unless you were showing up while i was here now there's also a private funeral that was aired on bet on sunday where a man claiming to be dmx's close friend crashed the stage saying that he knew the late rapper for over 20 years and helped him finish his last album before the pastor cut him off for disrespecting the service now Mm -hmm. salter you said you actually caught got a bit got to watch a bit of the um memorial what what did you think about it and what do you think of swiss beat's statement I think that um, it was a powerful moment and it was exactly the way somebody like DMX needed to be honored. You know, I don't know if you saw like the monster truck parade through New York, through his hood. And, you know, it was, it was a tribute that was very fitting of the life that he led and the, and the rough riders, you know, ride taking over the highway 
it was it was very very epic and of course that's just watching you know you obviously hearing some of the more salacious stories i just kind of turned a blind eye to that because i wanted it to be more of a tribute to his life and paying honor to his legacy and i have a huge amount of respect and understanding for the comment that was made and he's absolutely right you know it, it's it's just like anything else it's just like when a painter dies their artwork goes up in value right you never really appreciate what this man is and where is and what kind of heart and what he was made of <clears throat> as an individual until he's passed away you see how many people he's touched always it's always like this there's no way to get around it it's like you we never give people their flowers while they're here and we always over appreciate them when they're gone always and yeah. I mean, in this situation, it's 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 kind of like a a tragic ending because he a lot of the a lot of the you know the demons that he faced uh, really affected his career later on in his life. Mm -hmm. So you know, it's one of those things where he, looking back, obviously hindsight is twenty twenty, but it was he was on this path for a while, and um, we're just we want to just celebrate you know, his legacy. Nina, have you been listening to more of his music now? No. Okay. I didn't, actually. <laughs> um, I might check out the new album when it comes out. Well, not all of it, probably just a bit of it when it comes out. But no, I haven't really been listening to more of his. Um, I was never really like a huge fan or anything. I wasn't going to pretend to be afterwards. And uh, that's always the case, though. You always find so many people are all of a sudden DMX fans, eh? Yeah, exactly. And just so you know, it's okay for you to honor and respect and understand the the you know, the, the greatness of his legacy without being a, a bandwagon. Oh, I, I love On social the media, posting for social media about it. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I think um, Suzbeat's statement, yeah, I thousand percent agree with what you guys are saying. Um, but like Reddy said, it just sucks. It seems like there's never a way to like make that stay in people's heads that like, you know, maybe we should give See, them their flowers. That's their the, the best way to do it is, but they don't do them anymore, is if we continue to have like the hip hop honoree show you know what mm -hmm. i mean like that was great at least where it gave an opportunity for a night to celebrate an artist how many did they have they, they had a few of them at least um you talking about hip hop honors yeah the hip hop honors show or what was like a night where you would celebrate one particular artist for a night we need to have more of those again yeah oh i didn't even know those were a thing well, that's kind of what versus is really when you look at it now at this point it's that's that it serves it plays that role in music and hip-hop especially but, but you can't have a versus with cool herc right now or you could try to maybe you know what i mean or someone i don't know if they would have a versus for an artist like rakim if he'd be willing to do it or not or something like that but again or even krs1 whatever you may feel about him for things he said politically his contribution to hip-hop is still what it is and all that stuff there's so many artists that i could keep naming on you know from early 80s early way up to the 90s that if they passed away today their sales would go through the roof and everyone would be talking about how great of an artist they were that's facts you know yeah um so yeah so that happened last weekend now <clears throat> mark curry recently revealed that black rob's homegoing ceremony which uh actually would have happened yesterday since this is airing on saturday uh would be live streamed on diddy's revolt tv so the move comes after many fans criticized Diddy for not stepping in sooner to help out Black Rob, despite their differences. And when he did, it ended up being too late, so he offered to pay for the funeral instead. Now, aside from just taking care of the funeral, financially, Diddy will be live streaming it on Revolt TV's YouTube channel. I want to know, 
how do you guys feel about this move? Because when I heard it, I raised an eyebrow. Do you find it disrespectful in any way in the sense that he's offered to pay for the man's funeral, but at the same time now he's profiting off of that same funeral? Uh, where's the money going to? If he's go- if the money's going back to the families, then it's all good. If it's if it's going into his pockets, then you know it's pretty much par for the course from what people have come to you know expect of brother love. <laughs> right. Um, I don't have any confirmation on where the money's going to, but it's never been said that it's going to his family or anything. So like, I'm kind of just like, mm. you know, the thing with Diddy is that he's a, a victim of his own reputation of being too savvy of a businessman, so to speak. Like, we all know he may present this angelic front, but we know behind the scenes he's ruthless, right? So kind of things like this, when he decides to have it on his own Revolt TV, it looks like just a business move to us, per se. But where else would he have it other than on his own, you know, network? Like, he wouldn't go to somebody else's network to have something like this. At Once Upon a Time, Black Rob was one of his artists. But again, it's just he... Diddy is just known for being a cutthroat business guy, and I think that plays into why sometimes our suspect people are suspect of him and what his motives are for why he does the things he does. So, okay, so then my question would be, like, because I get it, the day and age we're in, like, you want to see, like, these memorials and stuff, but, like, did he have to be the one to, like, talk about? It just doesn't sit right with right. me. Right. Yeah, it doesn't look good. The optics of it doesn't look good. Uh, I, I, I I understand, Nina. I understand. But I think, you know, having witnessed what I have in the years that I've been in music and in the industry and, and seeing how a lot of this stuff goes behind the scenes, it could be worse. And just like Reddy said, there's not really many other options for somebody like Black Rob and Diddy is obviously the highest profile in his life to that would be able to honor him in in the most public way possible and get the most attention. So it is what it is. You kind of take the you you take the inf- the what can be inferred from it with a grain of salt, you know? All right. Well, are you guys planning on since we're recording this on a Thursday, are you going to watch the um homegoing ceremony? I'll probably tune in, pay my respects. Probably not. Uh, me neither. Um, so, next story. <laughs> After releasing... <laughs> there's no awkward way to transition out yeah, of... Uh, are you going to the funeral? No? No? Okay, cool. Next. <laughs> I shouldn't know that. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, anyways, uh, recipes to Black Rob. So after releasing the deluxe edition of their Slime Language 2 project, which I know possibly Solitaire listened to already. I know you did not listen to this at all. Um, Young Thug and Gunna posted bond for 30 Fulton County inmates who were locked up on low-level offenses. Now, Thug says they just woke up and went to the jail with their lawyers and got as many people as they could out, and he feels like that's why God put him on this earth. But... The heartwarming scenes of these inmates being released and reunited with their loved ones was captured on footage and used in a music video <sighs> for the project. It feels like God's plan again. But does the deed still hold value now that you know it's being used for a music video? Who should go first? It's such you- a catch-22, man. You go first. We know what we're going to say about this. It's uh, Go ahead, Solitaire. Uh, does it still count? 
Yes, yeah. if it's real. <laughs> it is if if they were able if those if those young men who are in custody are able to be with their family and are on a path to rehabilitation and and healing and doing better, then it's worth it. Put it in a music video. We need to kind of show other people. I I, I think it's a good I think it's a good visual. Yes. I accept. It. Uh, ready? Okay. I'm, <clears throat> I'm thinking about this while you're speaking, Solitaire. And for me to feel like it's acceptable for the music video part, it would there would need to be some time apart from the act itself and the video being seen by people. I I think that would help. Like if you just do this, you you help the people on the Friday, and then the video's out on Sunday, as opposed to you know you help these people out. It's not footage maybe that you shared with the public. And then a year later, when you're doing a video, you include some of the footage. That would make a difference. When it just looks like just you're doing good PR for yourself when you put it in a video. It almost taints it a little, but I'm still happy he does it because it's helping people. But it's the same thing like the Drake thing with the God's Plan where, you know, he's out there giving people money and doing all these good things for people. But you're recording it and you're making a video out of it at the same time. It's just, ugh. I think... Sorry, I think this with this one, I'm not here for it. I now I don't believe like because at first I read the whole yeah, I woke up and was just like, I'm going to get these inmates free. But I'm like, buddy, you think anybody believes that like this was a part of your music video plan? You woke up and were like, oh, crap, I need more footage for this video. So I'm going to go release these inmates like, you know, still a good thing. Yeah, like it's it's a good thing that he did it. And it's cool. But for me personally, for some reason, it feels a little bit different than the god's plan video now the reason i say that is because with god's plan like these were like it was like a grocery store full of people or like there was the instance of like you it was know, more spontaneous think, yeah like <clears throat> one of them was like a cleaning lady and stuff like these weren't people who were like incarcerated by a system and now being like they were already being profited off of by being in this system and now being profited off of by being like freed you know what i mean like i think that's why it just doesn't sit sit well it's still better for them to be out though <laughs> it is it is it is at the end of the day it's better for them to be out but i'm still like uh <laughs> <laughs> i'm not i mean i you know what I, I under i completely 100 percent understand where you're coming from with that i would my perspective on it my final thought on it is if hip-hop becomes artists showing off how much they're doing to how much they're, you know, making it rain for their community in ways like that. I'm all for it. Yeah. I'd rather see him do that than post a video of him in the strip club saying, yo, we blew hundred thousand dollars in the strip club tonight. Strippers need love too. Strippers need love too. 100%. I, 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 again, I just said, I didn't say that they should stop doing that. I'm all for dancers, professional dancers getting their money no hate over here. I'm just saying I, I would rather see, you know, as, as uh, role models for younger people to look up to. I'd rather, I would rather see that. Yeah, I hear you. Yeah. So that's what they did. Now onto something more Toronto related. So <laughs> my, my transition to a craft today. Her transition, you know what it is? Cause she's used to filming those one minute segments. So she's got to be quick. That is exactly it. <laughs> um, so, on to something more Toronto. So, 
Division, you guys are familiar with Division, the yeah. R&B deal from right here. So mm-hmm. they actually inked a deal with Atlanta-based label management and multimedia company Love Renaissance, which is also home to artists like Black, Summer Walker, BRS Cash, Shelly, FKA Dram, and more. So when speaking on the latest deal, the duo composed of producer 1985 and vocalist Daniel Daly said that we plan to change the climate of R&B. So we have to get the team that we know can help us get that done. Now, they are still, uh, I didn't add this to the page, but they are still signed to OVO as well. Um, Love Renaissance is just managing them on the management front of things. So congratulations to these guys. Um, You know, I think it's a cool move. You guys have any thoughts about this? This was kind of just a shout out thing. So, well, I I was just going to say, well, Nina, what were your thoughts when you first heard about this? Um, I, I was actually like, when I saw the article I read initially, I was like, wait, so are they not with OVO? Like I got kind of worried, but then I read another article where it's like, no, they're still with them. They're just being managed by these guys, which I think is cool. I, think this would be love renaissance's like only canadian artists i i'm not 100 percent sure on that but i do think that so i think that's a really cool move and for them to be from here like that's big i think it's an amazing move uh the label environment when you're when you're on a label and it's crowded with artists it's kind of hard to get that airspace to be able to evolve so i i see i sense that they're kind of reaching that not that not that I would say OVO is a glass ceiling, but like and OVO, like any other label, is going to be a glass ceiling. So this is an exciting an exciting move for them to be able to kind of blossom outside of having to depend solely on OVO. Mm-hmm. So I'm happy for them. Nice. Anything? Mm. Congratulations. Congratulations. <laughs> All right. And last story. So even though we spoke about Jaw Rule being considered as innocent by the judge in the Fire Festival set- settlement, I think we spoke about that last week. Um, <laughs> the IRS doesn't seem to think he is. Can, so, I, can I just say real quick, there was a cool tweet that I saw this week that said Ontario's vaccine rollout is Fire Fest. <laughs> <laughs> true it's so oh true. It, that cracked me up yeah <laughs> so the irs is suing jaw rule and his wife for an alleged three million dollars in tax debt mm. with one report suggesting that he didn't bother paying a cent in taxes since 2005 oh. <laughs> the irs broke down exactly how much he is owed each year since 2005 so let me break this down for you 2005, he owed about $357,000, didn't pay. 2006, it went up to 518000 2007, 350000 2008, 270000 um, 2016, jumped back up to 526000 So it basically ranged from the lowest, I think he owed was forty-seven, almost 48000 in 2010, and then to 500000 Wow. So, so it, it, I, I, all these numbers, did he end up paying them or have they accumulated no. all of this stuff? It's accumulated. I it's accumulated. Yeah, he hasn't paid them. Yep. And he also recently yeah. sold a Fire Festival painting for $120,000 as an NFT. So oh. like, he, he, needs to sell, he needs to sell 30 more of those. Yeah, exactly. So, yeah, I just thought this was interesting and it made me laugh. But also, like, it just fits the description of Ja Rule. Like, this just fits into his life story. <sighs> it's so... <laughs> He was such a good artist for a little while, and then Fifty just came and ruined it all for him. Man, <laughs> he posted about this too. <laughs> man, I don't know. I what did he? Hold on, what did Fifty say? What was his post? He just said, "Damn, man, you got to pay your taxes or something." 
thinking more of a roast, but that's all he said. Man, I don't know. I, I hope Ja Rule can get his stuff worked out, but I don't know. I don't know. He can actually make money from these NFTs if he really wanted to. If he started recording music and sold them exclusive songs that only someone could go purchase, people would just out of the novelty, <laughs> rich people, rich people would buy a song from Ja Rule. If they knew that they were the only person that owns that one song that he recorded, he could sell it for, he could make the money back somehow. I think so. You know what? I I, I feel like uh, I'm annoyed that he sold a painting from Fire Festival. Can we can we can we harp on that for a second? <laughs> because th- this is not something to be celebrated. It's not like oh that's cool. Like oh, I have this like you screwed all, you screwed people from all over the world for this fake festival. You know, in honor of it, I actually watched the documentary about it just to relive how horrendous. So, but does the documentary indict Ja Rule to in taking a great part in the whole fiasco of it? Because didn't he not just get off of it? Like he's not getting any punishment or any fines from it. It's all the other people that organized it. Yeah, no, he's he basically they basically paint him to be kind of uh, a ignorant ignorant bystander that kind of just saw the dollar signs and was definitely not involved in the intricacies of it. But um, it's a, it's, it's a fun watch, man. It's reliving that moment is, is one of those things where you're like, wow, this really happened. It's crazy. <laughs> yeah. I just thought this was a perfect uh, jaw rule personality trait. And that's <laughs> it for this. Week's you don't think much of jaw rule, Nina, clearly. No, I did when I was younger, but like not anymore. He just he hasn't he has not aged well in his career. I hope that he's continuing to be able to t- to take care of his family, but he's kind of corny as a as a as a career artist at this point. He's yeah. become corny. But you liked his music at one point in time. I think his music was great. Oh, okay, I, I think he had hit songs. I'm not talking about what he what his accomplishments are as an artist. No disrespect, no shade on that. What he has become, though. 50 just discombobulated him. That's, that's really what it comes to. <laughs> he took him out of his lane, and then it was just all downhill from yeah. there. Yeah, well, that was this week's edition of Music News. Thank you very much, uh, No Better Nina. Ladies and gentlemen, that means that we have to pay some bills, so we will be right back. If you're listening to the radio, stay with us. If you're listening to the podcast, stay with us. I messed that up. Stay tuned if you're listening to the radio. It happens sometimes. We'll be right back. 50 came through, you know what, it, what's the, Joe Rogan has this joke where he's like, he talks about bringing his dog to a dog park and the dog would go around and he's a small dog. So as you know, he's not really like a super tough dog, but he was, you know, small dogs always play tough. He'd bark at all the dogs and chase all the dogs around. And then one day somebody brought a wolf to the dog park and he looked at, his dog looked at the wolf. He's like, that's not a dog. And he just hid. <laughs> he, he just hid from this thing. And it's like, I feel like 50 was the wolf. Not to say that Ja Rule isn't real or whatever the case is. I know he has like a... You're saying you know 50 I mean? was like, the wolf that from, came he, and scared the little chihuahua Ja Rule away? He, ja Rule at the time, if he had stuck in his lane of saying, listen, I am a pop artist Hip, I came up in hip hop. I'm as real as they come. He, it, it boiled down to him defending his, his his manhood and his dignity because Fifty just came and just out out hooded him. He he out hooded him. He out gangstered him. Job Real should have taken the um, Rick Ross route and just ignored him completely. Exactly. Just keep making music. 
just keep smashing him over. And I think if he had had that approach, I think 50 would not have got the oxygen that he did for his career to explode. I remember that time when 50 was like 50s mixtapes were coming out of everybody's car. Right. But again, the thing about 50, he that's how he kind of got the attention was how to rob, right? Like he was yeah. talking about robbing all these guys in the industry and he even kind of dissed Jay-Z a little in the song and the whole nine. So it was like, who is yeah. this guy? Like this brash guy. And then he just turned all that fury attention on just this one you Jeffrey, unfortunately. <laughs> it's and... funny. And it's not just because Jeffrey was like Jeffrey. <laughs> it's not just because ja Rule Jeffrey was Atkins. At the <laughs> It's not just because Ja Rule was at the pinnacle of his career. You know, hip hop is obviously competitive, but there's their beef is like you've heard fifty say he's like, yo, I I don't like that guy. I do not like Jeffrey Atkins. It's it's very personal. So fifty probably made it personal. Yeah, but it was per- like even beyond the music. Like this was like a street beef. Mm. So I don't foresee them having any kind words to ha- to say to each other anytime. Has soon. there been any new music from Fifty recently? No, Fifty's getting he's, that TV money. He's just focused on TV now, eh? I think I think he's got new music. When I say new music, within I think he's had songs released a couple years. Year. He had the one with Chris Brown that was good. Artists hit a shelf life, man. You get to a point where. I don't know if you can put out music that people will listen to or like. There's few, know, few artists now that I think that can continue to have the longevity like Jay-Z or Nas for the most part. I feel like J. Cole will be that type of artist and Kendrick Lamar as well. But it's hard to be able to maintain that musical. Like That's why he's so smart as a businessman. You know, he got into vitamin water and diversified. And now he's like basically has a TV empire because of power. But... Would anybody ever check for another album from 50? I don't know. You know, I, I think that the beginning of the decline of the, or the chink in his armor was when he lost that sales battle with Kanye. Yeah, that? Sort of. I remember that. Yeah. I remember but... that. You don't remember that? He, ch- he I think <clears throat> this was when, um, this might've been college dropout college. No, 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 no. Graduation. Graduation. It was Maybe. one of those, one of the later ones late registration or one of those ones. Yeah, it was. And they had like a sales battle and 50 said that if he lost, oh. if he sold less records than Kanye, he would retire. Oh. <laughs> On their opening weekend sales or whatever. And I think yeah. his album did, that was his Curtis album. That was when he was battling with, um, with Cameron. And uh, he did like 600,000 and I think Kanye did like 900,000. He crushed him. Yeah. Wow. And I think that was kind of like, that really took the luster off. Because, I mean, you know, when you issue a battle like that and you're 50 Cent and you sold 10 million records on your first album, you're not supposed to lose that showdown. Yeah, but <laughs> look at the person he went up against, though. Kanye of all people. Yeah, but Kanye, yeah, yo, Kanye did not sell as many records at 50 Cent at the time. Kanye was a platinum artist, but 50 Cent sold 10 million records. Yeah. He went platinum his first, like... I think his first album went double platinum like the first week. I think it might have been the second album then because everyone saw the trajectory that Kanye was on because at that time I was like, not a good idea, Curtis. Not a good idea, 50. Oh, yeah, like, yeah. And nobody thought that he was going to win that battle at that time. Yeah. Nobody did. Nobody. So, well, they both won because both of their sales got boosted. Well, it was- yeah, it's great for the sales, but you're, you're looking at that as the, the catalyst turning point for 50's decline as a music artist. I think that I think that took a lot of the wind out of his sails because yeah. until then, 
he he never lost a sales battle like that. Like especially for like a a major album. I think I think Cameron kind of took 50 out of his zone the way that 50 took Ja Rule out of his zone. It wasn't the same impact because 50 is obviously a much more shrewd businessman and had more uh, clout in the industry at his peak than Ja Rule did in terms of ownership. But Cameron definitely took 50 out of his zone. Yeah, it was 2007. And I remember seeing this on 106 in Park when Kanye and 50 were there together. Yeah. And um, 50 basically put the challenge out there right then and there. But um, anyways. Bad move. That's bad move. I was watching and I was like, "Mm, it's not a good idea. (laughs) It's not a good look, 50. Anyways, uh, let's finish this evening because I don't want to do this anymore. Uh, Me too. Let's wrap it up, baby. Good morning, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome back to the program. You're tuned into Vibe105's own hashtag right here every Saturday morning from 10 a.m. to 12 p.m. on Vibe105. Yours truly, Solid's here, DJ Ready Fox. Good morning. No better, Nina. Good morning. Good morning. Hi. How y'all doing? We're almost there. It's the home stretch. The show's almost done. The show's almost done. These guys are excited. They wish it can go on for another two hours, but, you know, the show has (laughs) to end at some point. And ladies and gentlemen, now it's time for the segment of the show called Black Owned Spotlight, a.k.a. Boosh. Our weekly spotlight on Black-owned businesses or outstanding members of the Black community. If you or anyone you know has knowledge of an exceptional Black-owned business or individual community members that you would like to shine some light and give some flowers to, hit us up at hashtag Vibe105 on Twitter or Instagram. Slide in our DMs and let us know who we should give those flowers to. Ladies and gentlemen, this week's Black-owned spotlight goes to an individual, and that individual's name is Maxine Bailey, ladies and gentlemen. Congratulations. Maxine Bailey was uh, just appointed the executive director of the Canadian Film Center. Ladies and gentlemen, that is a very big deal. Uh, If you don't know what the Canadian Film Center is, it is a cultural organization for the development and advancement of Canadian creative and entrepreneurial talent in the screen-based industries. They design programs to support and empower Canadian artists, creators, and entrepreneurs and generate world-class talent, content, products, and companies for the global marketplace. They engage in programs and activities like film and television, screen acting, composing, songwriting for the screen, And ladies and gentlemen, our community leader, icon, mentor, Maxine Bailey, will be the executive director of the Canadian Film Center. If you're not familiar with who Maxine Bailey is, she's the uh, previously was the vice president of advancement for TIFF. That's the Toronto International Film Festival. Uh, She was the principal liaison and chief fundraiser for the organization's government partners, donors, and members in their support of TIFF's festivals and year-round programming. In her role as the vice president at TIFF, she founded a tremendous initiative called Share Her Journey, which was TIFF. Remember that, right? Yeah. TIFF's five-year fundraising commitment to achieve gender parity in both behind and in front of the camera. So you're talking about a very... Uh, you know, hardworking, dedicated arts leader 
who is committed to the community for over 20 years of experience in stakeholder engagement, fundraising, program management. She also co-founded the Black Artist Network in Dialogue, aka BAND, mm. which showcases Black cultural contributions in nationally, both nationally and internationally. Mm. BAND is another organization that we previously featured as a part of our Black-owned spotlight. Right. He's also the co-founder of Sugar and Spice Productions, which produced the plays Sisters, which was co-written by Sharon Lewis, and Stockholm and Afrocentric. And Holy as of moly. Yeah, yeah. I, I haven't even scratched the surface on, in terms of this woman's accomplishments. And of course, now she can add to that list the executive director of the Canadian Film Center, uh, which was announced by the chair of the CFC Board of Directors, Christine Jennings. And Bailey joins the CFC after 18 years, as I said, at the Toronto International Film Festival, the latter part during which she was the vice president of advancement. Uh, and ladies and gentlemen, she will assume that position on Monday, May the 3rd, succeeding Slako Kimku. <laughs> Say that name again, <laughs> Solitaire. Slako Kimku. Okay. Who retired at the end of March 2021. Ladies and gentlemen, Maxine Bailey. Oh, congrats. Nice. And the website there, you might as well plug it. Oh, yes. You can plug the website. It is cfccreates.com. That is the Canadian Film Center, cfccreates.com. And how did you come across this for your for picking this for boss of the week? I, listen, I keep my ear to the streets, baby. Anytime a black person shines in the city, I say, hey, I see you shining. No, no, no. It was the social media. I read, it was in the news. It was, oh, okay. announced it. I got an up, I got, I got update because I'm... Um, I get updates from arts, different arts organizations, and obviously this is huge news for for creatives, especially in the film and television and theater industries. So nice, yeah. Never heard of the Canadian Film Center. No, the it, it is actually a very uh, you know innovative and supportive organization for creatives in film and writing and developing. Hmm. I actually applied when I got a chance to direct, oh, sorry, direct, when I was the music director for a documentary called David and Me, um, I used that as a resume piece to apply for possibly getting into one of their programs. I got turned down, so I bun fire on them at the time. (laughs) But it was, you know, you know right. obviously on the law, I, re- I re- realized and recognized the importance of the work that they do. So shouts out to the Canadian Film Center for hiring this tremendous, outstanding black woman to be the executive director of the Canadian Film Center. It's amazing. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And now, ladies and gentlemen, I'd like to pass the baton over to DJ Reddy Fox to talk about his favorite section of the show Hashtag sports. Yeah, sure. Well, it's it, it would be more fun if you guys actually watch sports. <laughs> I, I play sports. Does that count? I play sports. I guess, but you don't follow any of this stuff. You don't care about any of the teams care, unless I it's care, the playoffs. Nina could care even less. <laughs> I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna try to make you feel better. You got it. <laughs> Moving on to baseball, the Jays are sitting in third place in the uh, AL East. Um, they split a two-game series with the Nationals, and they're starting a weekend series this weekend um, against the Atlanta Braves. They started that yesterday. Uh, tonight's game starts at 7 o'clock, and Sunday's game starts at 1 o'clock. And then Monday, the Jays start a four-game series 
on the road against the Oakland Athletics. And that's followed by a three-game series against the Houston Astros. So, you the know... The team is called Oakland Athletics? Yeah, the Oakland A's. Athletics. You've never... Pardon? That's an ugly name. It's not intimidating at all. Uh, well, their team was pretty intimidating in the late 80s, early I mean, 90s. They they had some sluggers on that team with uh, Jose Consenco and Mark McGuire on that team. Sounds, and... like, a, sounds like a gym, like a gym <laughs> class. Well, yes, no, the Oakland Athletics, that's what they're called, Nina. And, um, you know, the thing with baseball, too, there's so many games. Like, they play 180 games? 180,000 games a year or whatever. Or it's so hard to get into the season early in the season unless I'm, you're diehard baseball fans. Obviously, they can't wait for the season to start. But unless the Jays are doing phenomenally well out the gate, I can wait until I can wait until June, July before I start paying attention to them, especially after the NBA finals are done. You know what, Nina? The irony of the Oakland the Oakland A's, the A standing for athletics, is I think baseball is one of the only sports where you can have a doubleheader and play two games in one day. Sure. So how athletic do you really have to be to play? <laughs> it all depends on where you're playing, what your position is, because everyone. The first thing I think of when I think of an out of shape baseball player, I think of David Wells when he was playing for pitcher. the right. pitcher for the Jays, and he just had yeah. this pop. Bare belly and, but he was a good all pitcher. You have to do is throw, all you have to do is throw hard. You don't even have to. He run was a good hard. pitcher. Wow. Anyways, moving on to hockey again. I could just hear the excitement in Nina's voice. Um, <laughs> the Leafs are still in first place in the North Division, and what? Nina, you'll be happy to hear Ottawa's no longer in last place, or at least as far as us recording this now. Vancouver Ooh. is actually in last place right now. So Ooh. Ottawa, what? go sense go. <laughs> there you go. Yeah, they're they're climbing that ladder, Nina. <laughs> <laughs> They're climbing the ladder. So the Leafs actually clinched a playoff berth um, this week when they beat the Montreal Canadiens 4-1. So they're officially Ooh. into the playoffs now, so that's good. Um, uh, time for them to... Wait, hey, wait, wait, hold wait. on here, Nina. Hold on. If you if you don't care about hockey, that's one thing. But don't come on this radio show now and start bashing hating. the Leafs, man. What are you hating? Come on now. <laughs> I'm just being... I'm just preparing you guys for like the reality of it. Oh. But you know what... I, I will say as a sports fan with the pandemic, I have not paid as much attention to games as I normally do. <clears throat> and that's across the board for hockey, basketball, baseball, you name it, whatever. Like I just haven't been watching or been invested in games as much as I normally would be on a given year. But I still, of course, want the Leafs to, if they win a Stanley Cup this year, so be it. I'll be happy for it. Are but, you going to go outside? No, no. I will. I will. I will. Of all the you years will? for the Leafs to win the Stanley Cup, a year right? when we won't be able to have a parade. How fitting would that be for Toronto? Here's here's what's going to happen in the tortured world that we live oh in. Oh, my. I, sh- I wish I did not put this out in the universe. The Leafs Doug are Ford will win- say that you can have a parade. Doug Ford will say it. They'll, no, no, no. no. Well, uh, There'll be actually, a parade. <laughs> no, Yeah, there, that's what I was going to say. There will be a parade, and it will be the biggest super spreader event in the history. In pandemic history. In the history of, the, of planet Earth. <laughs> In the history of planet Earth, because this city is so hard up for a Stanley Cup. We've been dying for it forever and ever and ever. For us to win it now during the pandemic would not be cool. (laughs) It would be kind of funny. Oh, man. I wish I never even said it out loud. So, anyways, Thursday they played Vancouver. Tonight they play Vancouver again. Game starts at 7 o'clock. And then they have, like, five games left for the regular season. And their next three games are against Montreal. They play Montreal Monday, Thursday, and Saturday this week. Notice so. they're not. Notice they're not double headers. 
Right. You can't have a doubleheader in hockey. Exactly. So we, oh, I'm just going to keep going. So <laughs> tonight being Saturday, 15 games. There are actually 15 NHL games tonight. The first game starts at 1 o'clock. That's Buffalo against Boston. There's a 3 o'clock, a three o'clock game today. Tampa Bay is at Detroit. And the other Canadian teams in action tonight. Um, Ottawa is at Montreal. That's at 7 o'clock. And Calgary is at Edmonton. And that starts at 10 o'clock. Um, moving, on right. to, moving on to basketball. I got to give him his flowers right now while they're due because Russell Westbrook is going to be the all-time triple-double leader in NBA history. It's, That's an incredible accomplishment. It is, but it feels like people don't really give him the credit for it. Like People will accuse him of being a, a stat stuffer, but he is five triple-doubles away, or at least of us recording this um, on Thursday. He's five triple-doubles away from passing Oscar Robertson as the all-time triple-double leader. And he has uh, 30 triple-doubles this season. Only two other people, Wilt Chamberlain and Oscar Robertson, has done that in a season. And he's on average for to average another triple-double this year, which would be the fourth time in five seasons that Russell Westbrook has done this. And Wild. it's incredible. Like, I don't know. I don't know. I don't feel that, like he gets that, his due enough. That can't be like, you know, you can't call somebody who's... Who, who, who's getting like triple triple doubles like that as that stuffer and he's, he's six clearly, three he's clearly way. contributing significantly i think it's one of those things where that that stat will pop once he wins that his first title it's i have a feeling people won't appreciate it until like decades after the fact because it's yeah, not going to yeah. happen again for a while that someone's going to do something like what he's doing right now but i don't know nina how do you feel that, about it that's athleticism <laughs> I like Russell Westbrook. I follow him on Instagram, and uh, his wife has the same name as me. And I didn't know what a triple double is for a long time. I recently refound out. I've also forgot right now. It was Ron Air. Okay. Uh, a triple yeah. double is when you get at least ten of any stat, like ten points, ten rebounds, ten assists, ten oh. steals, ten blocks. You know, something Why that contributes to the game. <laughs> Why did I, I think it was he had two points, two assists, since two. All right. Oh. Moving on to the Raptors. Thank you, Nina. Appreciate you. Um, currently, as of the recording right now, we are, we're sitting at 26 and 36, but we did play the uh, Denver Nuggets on Thursday. Who knows how that went? Last week, Monday, they beat the Cavs. Um, Tuesday, they lost to the Brooklyn Nets. And now they are on a West Coast road trip. So they started that on Thursday playing Denver. And uh, the Raptors will be on the road playing Utah tonight. It starts at 10 o'clock. I actually love it when the Raptors are on the road on the West Coast because the games start later. So you get to see them instead of 7 o'clock. They start at 10 o'clock usually. So um, they're on the road tonight playing the Utah Jazz. And then tomorrow, Sunday, they're playing the Los Angeles Lakers. Tuesday, they play the Clippers. But um, again, I for the recent losses and stuff or whatever, they really need to win pretty much most of these games on the road west coast trip to uh have a shot at making the playoffs so i don't know um uh i think you didn't ask us go ahead <laughs> go ahead so uh for the jazz i don't know who the star players are but i know the lakers and the clippers so we're gonna lose those sorry okay so the jazz um what's his name there are uh, rudy gobert and uh um, donovan mitchell uh okay, we, it might be a close game, but the other two, <clears throat> sorry. 
Well, this this system sucks, by the way. <laughs> Prediction system is horrible. I'm gonna start tallying if I if I've ended up being right or wrong, though. You know, because then you couldn't tell. You cannot... okay? So you're saying that the Raptors will beat or lose to Utah? Yeah, I'm saying they're gonna be in a close game, and they're either gonna. I think they're gonna win, but it's gonna be very close. Okay. And then with the Lakers and Clippers, they're gonna lose. Big time or small time? Uh, medium time. <laughs> okay. What about you, Solitaire? Isn't LeBron out right now? Still, oh. but he's on. He's coming back soon. But Anthony Davis is back now. But um, it, LeBron is still injured. That changes my mind. Then uh, we might win the Lakers. But no, no, win. no, no, no. You made your prediction already. You're supposed to ask all I the. LeBron was playing. No, you asked. I all to showcase the... my knowledge. <laughs> Solitaire. So wait, so gets... Clippers, Lena, you're saying for sure the Raptors lose, right? Yeah, Kawhi's playing, right? Sure. Yeah. You know what? Just to, just just because I want to counteract this negative Raptor energy from Nina, I'm going to say they're going to win all of those games. Okay. Okay, so we'll see how that goes. Um, I really can't predict because they're so unpredictable this year. <laughs> so we'll see how it goes. But we'll who, is see the, if... who are the new players? Did, they, did you see that video with the initiation of the new, new Freddie? Yeah, you, you got to stop asking me questions now at this point. I, <laughs> I know numbers and I know games and that's pretty much it. And that's it for sports. <laughs> Okay. I I know I know there's a new raptor. I know that much. I know that too. Kem Birch, I guess. I don't know. And Fred and Freddie cuz they they cuz um I think there's a guy by the name of Gillespie that might be on the team now too, but I don't know. Honestly. All I know is I saw I saw I saw an Instagram post where um Kyle Lowry was making the new the new rookies uh sing that uh, what's her name? That Miley Cyrus song, oh. Party in the USA. Party in the USA. That was probably Malachi Flynn. That was probably one of the people that had to do that. Oh, okay. yeah. Well, something. Well, re- oh, I know more than you guys. One hundred percent. Listen, Ready Fox. Okay. I already say like you are. You are basically my sports brain. Whenever I go and have conversations about sports stats Thanks. and and sports ball, I used to I call it sports ball. Hey, I made it and- in life. Um, yeah. solitaire sports brain so there you go i've accomplished something anyways can, let's let's move on all right ladies and gentlemen we are always super tired but always super excited to get to this segment of the show because we get to unwind and make uh nobody nina steer sometimes she crashes the car sometimes we make it to all the way to canada's wonderland but uh let's see what happens in this segment of no better take with no better nina that's not very far from me, so I can see it from my house. <laughs> Anyways. Okay, so I saw something online and it said, the family you marry into is just important as the person you decide to marry. Now, Ooh. none of us are married, okay? If your family didn't like your significant other, would you break things off with them or would you defend them? Wow, how deep are we in the relationship here at this point? You're about to get married. About to get married. Impossible. Impossible. Impossible what? I don't think I would get so close to marriage with someone that my family didn't like. But the way way I take this story, though, the way you're saying the family you marry into is just as important as the person you decide to marry. Mm -hmm. Have you not been in the situation where you're the person you're dating, you don't like their family? No. That's not fun. (laughs) <laughs> no i don't think so that's where it gets spicy yeah. that's spicy but so what would you do though like if let's say okay but let's say like you're seriously dating whatever and then you're getting to the point of like you want to marry them. Okay, let's say let's not say you're about to marry them but you really want to marry them 
and your family just doesn't like them like what are you going to do in that situation if my family doesn't like somebody there's a good reason for it and i probably would not be with that person i i trust my family's judgment like it just couldn't happen sorry this i'm being a spoil sport for this one because it's just it's just not going to happen. There's no way I can even consider someone for marriage if my family doesn't like this person. It's just not happening. Uh, Solly? Yeah, that's... Uh, I've got some pretty good radars, some pretty good detection systems as well. As, and definitely I side with... I lean towards Reddy in terms of saying that if you if you trigger something bad in my family if they get a bad vibe chances are we're going to figure that out pretty early so i cannot i would agree with the sentiment the family that you marry into is just as important as the person you marry so but i can be with somebody if i don't like their family as long as they like i will make it abundantly clear like hey listen uh i don't like i don't like your parents <laughs> the reasons but you for, have to be clear on that. Though. The reasons for why the fam your family doesn't like the person makes a huge difference. So for you, Nina, what would you do? Well, see, for me, I would stay with the person. Um, I've <laughs> listen. I'm brown. I come from a brown family. There's what does that mean, of, Nina? You're being a racist? Lot of turmoil. No, there's a lot of turmoil in my family where there are certain people we don't like. I'm talking first family members like my whole dad's side of the family is out the picture like they do not exist like it's bad but it's like that's why to me like if they were ever to come around and be like i don't like this person i'd be like what do (laughs) i care (laughs) like i really don't like you know for me it's also a matter of this is what i was gonna ask you guys next who like like if it's like your parents that don't like them like like who like who counts like do you want your Uncle Sam and your Aunt Mary to like them too? Or is it just mostly your parents who care about liking them? Or is it every single person in the family? Because for me, it's like, I'm just thinking like, honestly, like if I really love the person and that's the person I want to spend the rest of my life with, my family will come around eventually, even if they don't like them. Like, I think they will come around eventually and see like at the end of the day, like I'm happy. Because I've seen situations where families have not had the other person's back and it's worked out. So like within my family, extended family and stuff. So that's why for me, the answer is just like, like, no, I'm going to stick around. If the other person's family doesn't like me, I don't know how I would take to that. Like, luckily, I don't have that issue. Well, Nina, (laughs) let me ask you, though, what if what if it's reversed and you're dating someone and you don't like their family? Do you still date the guy? Yeah, I think so. Hmm. I'm a really like diehard romantic so Mm -hmm. like i'll like yeah like i would still date them and i just think like people grow up with different mindsets and in different generations and different things and i i think that you build your own family at a certain point not to say you cut off everybody else but you know i i think it just plays a part like some people don't have the best family relationships and some people do and i think it's just like it all just plays part and parcel, but I definitely would still stay with the person and marry them. And such I... a rom- such a romantic. What about you, solitaire? Is there one particular family member that has to give you the the approval? That's a good question. That that is a really. I think it, it does matter, and I think you know you know apologies. I guess I would say to my parents. I don't think it really. My parents' opinion of my mate is not as significant in my decision making 
process as my brothers and sisters. Because oh. they know more, right? They know me for who I am. Like your parent, your relationship with your parents. I know some people have a very, very open relationship where they, they drink Tell them everything with their yeah. parents or whatever the case is. Mine is not really like that. We're, 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 we're grownups now. So it's like, it's not like the father's son. There's still, I'm still the son, but West Indian you know, family. Yeah. yeah. But my, my brother particularly and my sister, you could, I know that they would see, they would pick up on things that I might not necessarily be aware of that are good with my spirit or not. And I think that would matter. But as far as like their family not liking me, as long as we're real with each other, I, I that I like what you said, Nina, how you put it, because you basically are creating your own family. And mm-hmm. if you all are on the same page, ultimately, that's what matters most. So that's why it's kind of like a really, you know, it's a sticky decision to make uh, that question. No, I need my whole family. I need my parents, my sisters, my nieces, nephews, Sean, <laughs> Kathy, everybody like I need. I need everybody to like. <laughs> I need the whole family now. What am I going to need? Later? No, seriously, no. I need all my family to to approve of someone that I. My, I've like, had that my family is so important to me, man. Like, mm-hmm. yeah. I've I've had a relationship, not my direct family, but like my close circle of friends. Like half of my friends did not like my did not like my ex girlfriend. <laughs> oh to yeah, the, right to the point where some of them wouldn't even say hi to her. So for me. Oh. Like friends is an important indication. Like, I don't know. I don't know if I consider that maybe because for me, I'm not as open with my family as I am with my friends. There are certain cousins I am as open with, and I, I would value their opinion strongly. And like, luckily they're very like happy about the relationship I'm in. But even if they told me they didn't like it, I'd still do it. And honestly, with my friends too, I'd still do it, but like, it's a sign. Anyways, we have to wrap up very quickly, but I just, there was one response here that I really wanted to read. This lady said that it doesn't matter. Um, the family you marry into doesn't matter because she married her husband and she's been together for 17 years and she does not speak to his family, minds her business at every family function, never had a word. They respect the her and she respects them. And they, haven't talked for 17 years how sway <laughs> i can I, let me tell you i can see myself in in a situation similar to that no mm-hmm. way i yeah there's and then just this one last response that i really really liked so i think guys have it slightly easier than women i know it's not every single woman but way more often than not i see wives having issues with their mother-in-law versus husbands having issues with her mother it's probably not fair but the dynamic of a guy making it clear to his mother that she's no longer the number one woman in his life causes a lot of issues and i think it comes from how most of us do marriage in the first place the wife is given away by the to the husband by the father brother etc right the primary male figure in her life, whereas there's no clear moment or ceremonial procedure for the son to take the wife over his mother. She just kind of has to suddenly realize. Um, and in some cases, you know, she took care of him his whole life. So it can be tough. You agree with I that? Never of, yeah, I never thought of that. Huh. Yeah. I never thought of that either. But that, that mother is it's a whole that, other layer. That mother and son relationship. I have a very, you know, very close and loving relationship with my mom. Shouts out to my mom. Love you, mom. Mm-hmm. Um, but I definitely would not see that dynamic happening. Like, yeah. you know, you have to, it really depends on what your relationship's like with your family. Yeah, I agree. Anyways, that was this week's edition of No Better Take. A great one. Nina, that was excellent. Mm-hmm. I like that discussion. Very we never fun. know. We never know what she's going <laughs> to do. Know. Never know. Here I was thinking I couldn't find anything this week. (laughs) 
Sometimes we jump in a limousine. Sometimes we jump in a hoopty. Never know where it's going to end up. Or off a cliff. (laughs) (laughs) All right, ladies and gentlemen, of course, that signifies that we are at the end of today's broadcast. Any last words? Any last thoughts? Stay safe. Stay healthy. Uh, Yeah, that's it. Stay safe. Stay healthy. I think uh, in this pandemic at this juncture whether the lockdown ends may 20th or december 20th <laughs> we're gonna do our best to remain positive three paid sick days three paid sick days 200 bucks a day yeah from now until september to september 25th and then it's over and we'll all be fine again and no one's ever gonna get sick ever again right well at least we can take solace in the fact that we can indiscriminately extend black history month for as long as we choose. Yeah, it's extended until May 20th, at least. Extended until May 20th. All right, ladies and gentlemen, that's our program for today. Just like Reddy Fox said, stay healthy, stay safe, be kind to each other, be kind to yourself, all right? Make sure you're making some time for yourself this week, all right? If at all possible. Take care, and we'll talk at y'all next week. Peace. Yeah! That's a wrap, ladies and gentlemen. I think we got some some good conversation in there, so we can cut this uh, cut this bitch cut off this early. Out. Again, huh? for the podcast people that are listening, are we not giving them some bonus material or no? Uh, I think we got the, We gave them a lot of gems already. You know, um, my boyfriend's mom likes me there. Oh, that's a that's that's a gem. So I hope I didn't. There was. I'm just not. Well, I'm just gonna say there was a girlfriend whose family I wasn't too crazy about. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, Reddy wants to. Reddy wants to wants to share. That's why I share. I don't want to share. I'm wanting to not share, but I don't want to. Uh, I want to be honest, but I don't want her to possibly be listening to the podcast. And then, you know, are both potentially not listening. You huh? didn't say any. It could yeah, have been any of them. Yeah, but yeah, no, I, I'm not risking any of this. <laughs> I'm, I'm. I honestly, I was so because ha- one of my things like i never really been in a serious relationship before or really met parents and stuff before like i never had to worry about that i used i was like so concerned like oh my god are his parents gonna like me and blah 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 and like oh my gosh it's such a relief to like have like second parents that oh. actually like you more so with his mom his dad like He's we're cool a, but like such a young thing like-, like i love this like you're reminding yeah. me of the early days when i first was starting to date and the worries about meeting the parents and all that oh, now like- Oh my god, I was stressed, but like with his mom, like I literally call her my second mom. Like she randomly will text me and stuff. Like she just, loves like, you. Yeah, yeah. Like, she it's the best, me, like, right? Yeah, I'm like her third child. <laughs> yeah, you know it's funny. People always say I'm nervous to meet the parents. Listen, I never. I'm like eh. I'm never scared. I'm never. I yo listen. I walk in there. I'm the closer. Parents love me. Always have. Always will. I'm the closer, man. <laughs> Never that never really intimidated me, and I think that's probably like a West a West Indian thing because parents like West Indian parents are pretty damn intimidating. So all the parents that I've met outside of my own parents have been like a walk in the park. <laughs> I had to meet the West Indian parents. <laughs> but see, you're brown, you know what I mean? Like yeah. you're young and you got like a good spirit. So yeah, yeah. I have a job. I went to school. There you yeah, exactly. <laughs> there you go. All the check marks. <laughs> good. All the check marks. All right, y'all. So uh, appreciate y'all. Appreciate. Thank you. Shouts out to all our listeners. Continue to engage with us. Slide in our DMs. We love that shit. We're freaky <laughs> like that. Just and- message us. Don't I? That term slide <laughs> in our sexual. DMs. I don't like it. Slide in the DM. I like to slide it because it sounds salacious. Yeah, yeah. Mm. Ready just, doesn't want to be. Just message us. <laughs>
for business inquiries only. How about this? How about message Reddy Fox slide in my DMs? Yeah, there you go. Don't even bother. You sound so thirsty. You sound so thirsty. (laughs) Slide in my DMs. Please slide in my DMs. I don't know. Hey, wait a see. You see how you could change the context of a of a statement with one word? I didn't say please. There was no begging Guan in here. I said, yo, slide in my DMs. If you if you know what I mean, if you got something significant to contribute to the conversation. I'm I'm not looking for waste people to drop in on my business account. inquiries only. There you go. <laughs> All right, y'all. Stay safe. Have a great week. Stay healthy. Take some time for yourself, man. Even if it's just 10 minutes, eat an ice cream. Indulge, days. indulge yourself, man. It's it's rough out there. And we're Eat trying healthy. To make it I'm saying indulge sometimes. I indulge sometimes. There's okay. nothing wrong with that. You yeah. can't eat healthy 100 percent of the time. That's true. It's unreasonable. You know. So have <laughs> have have a slice of cake. Or I think you know what helps. Berries. I, I know I know not everybody is as enthusiastic about cooking as I have become, but that has really been helpful as far as like eating bad stuff is cook it yourself. If you're going to eat cookies, make them yourself. From Costco, the frozen ones that come. That doesn't it's, uh, it's still, it, you know what? It's, it's cheating, but at least the preparation makes it a lot more than it's easier. Than, behind that. Huh? Still the same amount of calories and fat. I I'm not talking about the calories. Though. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about like going and eating, like buying a box of cookies and you're going to eat the box of cookies. But if you if you buy like frozen cookies, if you want cookies, you have to heat up the oven. You got to like spoon it out, and then you can say, "I'm going to eat five cookies," and you only make five cookies. You know what I'm saying? It 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 really is it worth it? Your... Is it worth it? it? Yes, it is. Yeah. Uh, the Costco ones, you don't even have to spoon out; they come pre-done for you already. A box of 250 cookies. I'm telling you, as far as like the mind-body connection, it. It forces discipline. Hmm. Okay. Um, I don't think and it forces you. Like you know, they always say like you should count your food or like so yes. you can have a good idea. Right. So when you buy a ready fox, you know I am. You buy a box of cookies. I, I'm gonna eat half of that. I'm gonna eat them all. I'm, I'm right gonna eat cookies until I'm full. But if That's you have frozen time. cookies, you only say, okay, listen, I'm gonna eat five cookies, motherfucker, five cookies. <laughs> So you make five, and then you, you if you're jonesing at the end of five cookies, then you then you really know you're a phonic. <sighs> <laughs> I am. That's the problem. <laughs> so you got to work on you got to work on the discipline. But cooking your own food, I, can, I there's there's certain shortcuts that you just you're never gonna get around. And cooking your own food, if you want to be disciplined about your diet and not be and, and not be a diet, but it be a, a eating lifestyle. Try to cook your own and start with one meal, master it, and this step by step. That goes for you, Nina. You're no, so wise, solitaire. I can't master it. I just sucked at it. So no, no, don't give up, man. Pick one. Pick one. Cereal. <laughs> All right, ladies and gentlemen, wrap it up. <laughs> that was a sign. All right, we out, yo. <laughs>